Hello, hello. Good afternoon. It is February 8th, 2024. I hope you're all having a wonderful day and a wonderful week and the weekend is coming and I cannot wait. Uh, welcome to Scouching Live. Uh, I am Will Scouch, of course. Uh, we're brought to you by Fanatics. You can use our affiliate link below or scan the QR code and it provides a kickback to the show. Uh, on anything you buy you can also support us through puck preps where you can get all your ncaa prospect needs as well as any chl entry draft needs anything that you can imagine uh, and we're also brought to you by fractal hockey consulting which is my business for hand-tracked targeted player analysis and recruitment packages for the ncaa europe and beyond and of course uh, scouting.ca you can subscribe to scouting.ca and get exclusive access to innovative data tools with unparalleled insights into draft prospects, as well as players making their mark in the NHL, as well as some NHL-only tools, which are slowly rolling out, which is a lot of fun. Uh, we got a really great show. Um, it's just it's just me today, but AJ is also here. Producer AJ, how you doing? Yeah, I am here. How, yeah, I'm doing all right. I guess it's not just me. Yeah, it, it'd, just be, me, it'd be nice uh, to get a proper introduction, you know, here and there. Yeah, I guess so. Well, I'll work on I'll work on it. I'm not I'm not good thinking on my feet yet. I have a live show. Uh, uh, yeah, but anyway, hope you're hope you're doing well. You know, how are how are things? Things are all right. And uh, I'm just excited for us to get called morons and idiots. For oh, yeah, our, it's for our roster projections. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I can't I cannot abs I cannot wait to see the comments on this one uh, because the big topic for today, uh, we're going to be talking about this new upcoming NHL Four Nations tournament, which, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, AJ, but is scheduled for February 2025. Yes. Right? Something it's like that. It's replacing the All-Star game. It is replacing the All-Star game, which, all right. Um, and what I think it was each team plays six games in nine days or something like that, something along that, that line. That's pretty um, awesome. Yeah, something like that. It's going to be pretty pretty crammed, but that's cool. Uh, and we'll also extend that a little bit into uh, potential Olympic roster construction because the NHL will be at the 2026 Olympics in Milan, uh, in Italy. I can't wait to see what the Italian national team is going to look like at that tournament. Uh, so maybe, AJ, you could make that team. Uh, maybe that would <laughs> I, be... I wish. Probably couldn't. It's going to be all the Woodbridge Italian Canadians. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just a bunch of I know Canadians the anthem. and I know the Italian yeah. anthem, so I could be there for moral support. I'm sure most of those guys who play on that team won't. Right. <laughs> well, you know, who knows? Dreams, dreams can never die. So yes, what we're gonna do? Uh, we're gonna run through the four nations that will be participating in the four nations tournament chatting a little bit about the potential rosters that could be made out of those countries within the NHL. Some of it was much more difficult than you might think. And others was also very, very difficult for other reasons. Uh, <laughs> but in any case, we're also going to be talking a little bit about uh, what the absence of Russia means and how that team might stack up against the competition uh, as far as those teams are concerned, and as far as I know, Russia will not be participating in the 2026 Olympics either, or at least to this point, but I don't know if that's been confirmed or denied yet. But anyway, AJ, 
Yes. How do you want to? How do you want to do this? We're 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 gonna we're gonna do. Do you want to present your team first for you for go Canada? First because you're you the, you're the to... top dog on the show. All right. All right. I'm ready to I'm ready to face the music here. So we're gonna start in our home country, the country of the color of the shirt that I am wearing, Team Canada. So uh, the four words for Team Canada. I put down Zach Hyman, McDavid, and Marner as my first unit because I think those guys would be sick together. Absolutely. Uh, Marshawn McKinnon, Point, Bedard, Crosby, Barzal. I threw Mason McTavish in there, and I'll explain why maybe in a couple of minutes. Bo Horvat, Robert Thomas, and Nick Suzuki round out my forwards. Um, on defense, you know, we're looking at Morgan Riley, Kale McCarr, Josh Morrissey, Noah Dobson, Dougie Hamilton, Devon Taves, and Evan Bouchard uh, ran our graphic designer helper. Uh, I threw Bouchard in there as number seven just for you. Um, and Tristan Jerry, Stuart Skinner, and Aiden Hill in net. So for me, uh, I kind of thought about this from like a roster construction perspective of who I think could work off of each other well. Um, for me, I mean, McDavid, Marner, Hyman, I think you've got a combination of speed skill creativity but also some some of that grind in hyman hyman's played with mcdavid um i'm pretty sure he has experience with marner as well uh you've got mckinnon i mean i, I mean mckinnon marshawn point that's just three excellent players that can do a whole lot of a whole lot of things um the idea of crosby barzell bedard as well to me just really stuck out you know you can give bedard the wing and it'll give him a little bit more offensive freedom and uh, I just like the idea, personally, of Sidney Crosby sending pucks to Connor Bedard all the time. It's going to, you know, that's just a nice thought in my head. Um, and Matthew Barzell, for a bit of speed and a bit of flash in that, in that group, I think would help. And then you've got, to me, like a grind line with some skill and finish where, to me, Mason McTavish, like projecting him two years to, uh, to a year from now, I guess. Oh, yeah, it's only a year away. But, I mean, Mason McTavish in a year, I think, could be a reasonable option as sort of a bottom six, you know, high energy, high intensity guy with a bit of skill in his game. Um, and Horvat, just a stable, like you got, I feel like in hockey, you do kind of have to have one line that can hold things together, you know, physically play the opposing team and, and sort of eat minutes until you're in this case, top three lines are rested and come back out on the ice. But I mean, you've got three insane lines and AJ, I know you agree with me on this. The number of forwards that were not on this team that certainly could, especially up front, uh, not easy. Um, I mean, and also the same thing you could be said for defense, right? Like I think oh, yeah. I think you and I I think you and I differ here and there, but it's not because I think we fundamentally disagree on who is good and who is not. But it's more, I don't know, like there's a bunch yeah. of guys that I think have have a perfect uh, perfect question or a perfect you know, argument to be on the team. So I'll throw over to you yeah, and uh, see what your, see what your input on this would be. Well, for me, I went with a uh, roster of Braden point, Connor McDavid, Mitch Marner as a top line, then Marshan Crosby, McKinnon, the Halifax line, Barzell, Shifley, Bedard, and then Hyman, Thomas, Cairo. I just really like all these guys. And, you know, at the end of the day, <laughs> you could have a bunch of different forwards there, but on defense, Devon Taves, kill McCart. That's the best deep pairing in the league. So I'm sticking yep. to it. Morgan Riley, Noah Dobson, I just feel like would be really fun. And then I got Shay Theodore and Dougie Hamilton. And then I have Aiden Hill, Tristan Jari, and Stuart Skinner. Honestly, I don't really care who you start of the three of them. Yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> to be perfectly honest, you go with whatever yeah. guy's hotter. And yeah. it was really tough. Like, 
I didn't want to leave off Josh Morrissey. I did not consider Evan Bouchard at all. Sorry, Ray. He's just just not giving him any consideration. <laughs> but he's on the short list. It's just I wasn't going to put him on my team over these guys. And, like, I had to leave off Thomas Shabbat, Vince Dunn. Like, there's a bunch of guys where I'm just going, yeah. man, I would love to have these players on these on my team. And the fact that yep. I'm saying no to them, it act, it makes me feel sad. Like, yeah, there's a bit of sadness built up in, with me because it's just like these are really good players and it's so hard to do it. But I definitely yeah. didn't feel this way about um, rosters not named the United States and Canada. Yeah, I know. Yeah, like this, there is definitely I would say some favorites already in this. Like it was significantly more difficult talent-wise to put together a Canada U.S. team um, than the Sweden Finland one for us. I think. I mean, and yeah, the goaltending too, it's funny. Like, I feel like goaltending is also a thing where we could look back on this in a year and be like, oh my God, could you imagine Tristan Jerry on this team? But also at the same time, he's been good for years. But like, is and Jordan Bennington going to be on that team? Yeah, better this year. Um, but goaltending is going to be weird for Canada for sure. Uh, there's, I, I mean, compared to other teams as well, I think it's kind of a bit of a weak point. But yeah, I mean Canada is just a uh uh what how would, I don't know how you want to put it like a embarrassment of riches perhaps um, skater wise for sure skater wise yeah and I feel like no matter what you do you're gonna have arguably well I don't know about the best team on the ice but again like this is kind of a two horse race it seems between these two teams um but yeah I mean I don't know like and yeah especially on defense right I I I had uh. I had Vince Dunn penciled in early. Um, who was the other guy that you had that I don't? Um, oh, I have Shea Theodore. Right. Shea the yeah, Shea Theodore is another one, but like mostly the left side of the ice, right? Like Morgan Riley, Josh Morrissey, Devon Taves for me. Like, I don't know. Um, could you, Who do you take out to put Shea Theodore in, right? Like you're probably not like taking Morrissey out or Taves. Riley. Yeah, Morrissey or Riley. But if you take out those guys and put in Shea Theodore, like, I don't know. You could live without... Morgan Riley, I guess, and put in a Shea Theodore. I just we we're yeah. just Toronto fans, and we're not gonna take out Morgan Riley because we <laughs> love him dearly. I I wrestled with it. I certainly wrestled I with too. it, but yeah. But in any case, uh, let's we can fast forward over to, to, to the United States uh, again. I I will kick it off. I so up front, I threw Matthews and Keller together with Cole Caulfield just because I think that that. I mean, Matthews and Keller, I know it was only a three-on-three game, but they played excellently. They seemed to know each other extremely well and train together. Um, Matthews and Caulfield paired with Keller for goal scoring. I don't know what else you could possibly want. Uh, JT Miller, Jack Hughes, and Matt Kachuk is that second unit. Brady Kachuk, Jack Eichel, and Alex Dabrinkit uh, on that third line. Jason Robertson, Dylan Larkin, Alex Tuck on your fourth line with Kyle Connor out there as well. Uh, Quinn Hughes, Charlie McAvoy, my top pair, Sanderson Fox, uh, Wierenski and Truba with Brock Faber mixed in there with Hellebuck, Swainbin and Demko and net. And I don't know, I, this might just be me, you know, with internalized dislike of my own country, but that team is arguably just, it's stacked like top to bottom. You could mix and match a number of these players and still turn out probably a really, really good team. Um, I don't know. You've got a little bit of everything there. You've got the Ch the, the Kachuk brothers. Wow, that was difficult for me to get out. 
and like your center depth too, right? McDavid, McDavid, McKinnon, Crosby, Horvat is great. Um, that's that's some of the best players in the world. But like Matthews, Hughes, and Eichel with Larkin, and I'm pretty sure there are guys I'm leaving off that could also play there as well. Those are the, th- um, the four I thought of right away as well. Yeah, right away, and and that I mean. That can go toe-to-toe with Canada, no question. I might, I don't know, if you're asking me, I might give the edge to Canada there, but those guys, you know, those guys can match up against anybody. Um, I have a lot more faith in their defense as well. Like, I have Jacob Truba on my third pair, which uh, I would, that that's, you know, not so bad. Um, who knows? And I, I threw Brock Faber in there. Like, who knows where he's going to be uh, in a in a year? I I think that this year isn't just a flash in the pan. I don't know. I could be wrong, but he's been excellent. And if he's the same next year, if not better, I could see him certainly being an option for this team. But generally, at tournaments like this, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like they generally tend to go for veterans. Um, they and do. tend to that they tend to leave the younger guys at home, but. Um, who was the guy, I mean, I can throw over to you for your lineup, but there was a guy that I, I put Sanderson over him and I can't remember who it Slavin. was. Slavin. Yeah. So Jacob Slavin was another one that I considered and I'm sure in a, in an, in a, in the real world, probably Jacob Slavin is a better consideration than Brock Faber, but I don't know. I just think Faber has been excellent and I just wanted to bring him up and throw him on there, but I'll throw over to you and, and, uh, let's see what you got. I'll, well, I'll so did I actually, I actually, I actually took the plunge and put Faber on, on the team at the, in the oh, bottom there you go. so I'll show my list now for forwards. You got Keller, Matthews, Kachuk. I just really like them. JT Miller, Jack Hughes, Alex to as a second line. Then Jason Robertson, Jack Eichel, Cole Caulfield, and the third line, Cal Connor Larkin, and then Alex Tuck now on defense. Got the Jew pair because I am a Hebrew and I love those guys. Quinn Hughes, Adam Fox. Let's go. Zach Wierenski and Charlie McAvoy. Then Jacob Slavin and Brock Faber. And in goal, Hellebuck, Demko, and Ottinger. Yeah. I mean, I again, like, it's hard to poke holes in this. I, I don't – you can mix and match, and I, I don't know. The, 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 these teams look just Gross. insanely stacked. Yeah, and I don't know. Like, I have all of the Canadians pulled up here, like – I don't, I don't even know. Like you could, you could even make an argument that like a Jared McCann could play a role down the lineup. Yeah. I, I had uh, him for consideration. Yeah. Like Nazem Kadri somewhere in there as well. Um, Travis Konechny is yeah, a guy who I thought about. Uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins was a guy I considered like, you know, the, the thing that comes to mind for me is how much I miss team North America from, from the world so cup in 2016. Good. Like, I want to see more, I don't know, I guess the general thing for me is that four teams is kind of unfortunate, and I feel like there's a lot of NHL players that deserve the right to play at this level against the best, so I don't know if that, what that entailed, what that would entail, but there's a lot of guys that won't be there that I think deserve at least a shot to play in, like, one of these best-on-best tournaments. Yeah. Um, But one of the But only so many players can make it that um, the NHL just realized that they absolutely needed to get best on best going. So yeah. like guys like Dreisaitl and Pasternak like complained that yep. they weren't going to be able to represent their countries, and rightly so. But the NHL sure. told them, look, guys, we need to lay the foundation to get this going. We can't just wait for a perfect world. So we're just easing our way into it with this, and they're going to expand upon that later on. That right. That's the idea. 
that at least yeah. that's what Elliot Friedman reported on 32 Thoughts, our favorite reference point on this show. Yes, of course. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, it's just, you know, I, I really, really liked the World Cup at the end of the day. I, I thought looking back on it, like that was a really exciting tournament, all things considered, like setting the memes aside about Team Europe and Team North America and all that stuff. Personally, I just, I think that you had a really nice mix of really high-level players, and one of my favorite goals ever scored was in that tournament. Um, you know, just a really, really fun tournament. And and so with this one, I see what they're getting at. Um, but again, like we're going to go over Sweden and Finland next, but it's kind of like a script that already kind of writes itself. But of course, now that I've said that, there's, you know, Finland's going to come out and win the whole thing, of course. Um, but I guess we can pop over to Sweden and look at the roster that I put together for them. Um, this one was a little easier, I guess, because there's kind of just like by default a bunch of guys who could be there. So up front, I started with Kempe, Pedersen, Nylander. That's William Nylander, of course. Uh, Jesper Bratt, Mika Zibanejad, and Philip Forsberg on the second line there. Carlson, Lindholm, and Lucas Raymond as well. Uh, Carlson being William Carlson. Uh, and then William Eklund. Leo Carlson and Jonathan LeCaramaki at the bottom end. Some kids in there. I threw some young guys. Uh, Rasmus Dahlin and Rasmus Anderson. So I'm going with a Rasmus pair. Victor Hedman and Adam Larson. Uh, and Hampus Lindholm and Timothy Lilgergren are on here. And I have Marcus Pedersen and R Isaac Rossian as backups with Linus Olmark, Philip Gustafson, and Jesper Wallstead in net. Um, I'm betting on Wallstead and Lekaramaki to sort of take some steps in the next year and be worth putting on that roster. I wouldn't say Wallstead is going to be their go-to guy. I would think that that's going to be Olmark uh, if everything that he's been doing the last couple of years holds. Um, but I, I don't know. I think Sweden could also have a really fun team. I mean, I Philip Forsberg, I think, is is excellent. Uh, Lucas Raymond has taken a step this year and I imagine he'll do another next year. And he's always been a very smart and reliable and dependable player. And that first line, like it's, I think that the first line there can probably skate with anybody. Kempe, Pedersen, Nylander, um, you know, Nylander, you and I both know how useful he is in we pretty much him. any situation. Adrian Kempe like has his warts, but he's a scorer through and through. He can score goals. Um, and you've got two real good goal-scoring threats there. Uh, Jesper Bratt and Mika Zibanejad, just really also just very solid players, and Jesper Bratt's having an excellent year, and I hope that's the sign of things to come. Um, I, it's funny to me that I have Marcus Pedersen on here as an alternate without Eric Carlson, but I don't know. I, if you put Eric Carlson on the team, I get it, but I, get, I just get the feeling that you're... <laughs> I don't know. He He's going to be how old in that? Like, he's my age, I think. So he'll be 35. And he's having, like, you probably watched more of the, the of the Penguins than I have this year. But, like, at even strength, has he really sort of maintained the level of output that he had last year? Like, he's on pace for 60 points, which seems more in line with sort of before his 101-point year last year. I don't know if that means there's a sign of, like, decline coming. but I just felt like if I'm building a team and I've already got like a Rasmus Dahlin and Victor Hedman to play on the power play, I would trust those guys a little more at even strength, but I'm not going to complain if you want to throw a, a Carlson on the roster. Um, but I'll throw it over to you because yeah. uh, I think you have some different names on here than I do. I do. I do want to just touch on your point about Carlson. 
before I move on to that. Like, yeah, he's he's uh he's not great defensively. I wa- I saw it in person. There were times where again in that game against the Islanders where he was just bleeding chances, and Marcus Patterson was there to clean up the mess. He's a good player, but on San Jose, he was literally the engine. He got mm-hmm. to do whatever he wanted, whatever he wanted. I, I was, I had to cut the best of Eric Carlson video for Sportsnet, and I went through all of his highlights just to see what would go on there. And so many of the goals he scored, he just completely abandons a defensive assignment. Just he's basically playing like a winger, but is your blue liner, mm-hmm. and then just going for it. And he made Jack Campbell look silly on the play that I'm thinking about. But still, it's like that's not necessarily what you want out of a defenseman. And even right. though I'm saying all this harsh stuff about Eric Carlson, I still put him on my team because I'm because I'm uh, <laughs> I'm a bit of a wuss. But here here's my team. <laughs> so I got Philip Forsberg, Elias Pettersson, and William Nylander. Slight change from what Will had. And then Jesper Bratt, Mika Zibanejad, and Adrian Kempe. So very much similar. Leo Carlson, Elias Lindholm, Lucas Raymond, and then William Macklin, William Carlson, and somebody else that I just didn't see the screen for. Anyways, <laughs> Rasmus Dallin, Rasmus Anderson, Hampus Lindholm, Eric Carlson, Victor Hedman, and Matthias Ekholm. And then in goal, Linus Allmark, Eric, uh, Philip Gustafson, and Jacob Markstrom. And, you know, I like that team. I really yeah, like that I... Team. I I think it's perfectly fine. Um, Ek, like the only thing from like Eckholm's going to be what thirty six or something like that. But again, but like he's covering up for Bouchard, he's still, pretty yeah, good man. He's doing pretty well this year. He's still showing no signs of slowing down, really, especially defensively. So I guess yeah, I could see it. Like yeah, like this is the thing, right? I think people are going to see these rosters and be like, how could you know Will's stupid because he left this guy off, and AJ's stupid because he left this guy off, or this guy's going to be old, so how useful is he going to be? It's like, exactly. Well, <laughs> these teams are going to, these. it's hard. Like, there's a lot of good players that certainly could play on these roles and, and do a good job, I would think. Um, you know, the Swedish roster, I think, could could certainly keep up with Canada-US. I don't know if I would call them, like, favorites in those matchups, but, you know, like, Lena Solmark could save a game here and there. You've got a really interesting group of defensemen who I think play well pretty much everywhere. Um, Dahlin, you know, has his, has his, you know, pluses and negatives, but he's still Rasmus Dahlin. And I think the young guys on the way for Sweden also, like, can't be discarded, you know? Like, that, the guys like Raymond yep. and the Karamaki and Carlson, all coming along really, really well. And I think that top six can, you know, maybe not, maybe not beat a, a team like Canada or US's top six every day, but... You know, in a small short tournament like this, I would I wouldn't count the Swedes out at all based on either roster we've put together, yeah. really. And and just so I don't leave uh, listeners of the podcast hanging, it was Joel Eriksson Ek as the other player. Ah, yes, Joel. So you could put a, you could plug him in at center because like that's the other thing too. Like so many of these guys play center that we put on these teams, <laughs> and they just have to be forced out to the wing. Yeah. Like I honestly and, think that X probably better at center. You just put him like you put him as your four C, and you're happy yeah. with it. But it's like there's so many good players that you could choose from. I, yeah. But I do feel like he deserves to be there. Yeah, I mean, and again, like I wouldn't complain about it. I I think Erickson Eck is kind of like a good guy to plug a hole. You know, you can put exactly. him in the fourth line, and he'll you know like a guy 
like uh, I mean, Bo Horvat is probably a better option than Philip Eriksonek, but like or than Eriksonek, but they're gonna fill sort of similar jobs of just go out there and you know play hard and eat minutes, and then the top nine can come out or the top six can come out. Um, but yeah, I, I think Sweden in general is just as competitive. You know, they can they could probably keep up, but boy, Canada, US, it's that they were tough because there's a lot of excellent players to choose from Sweden. It's tough because the periphery is, is tight. There's, there's like five or six guys where there are question marks and you don't know, but they could be on the team. But you know, whereas in Canada, us, it's like, well, I don't, it's a, it's about like matching up the right players. I think with the right players, whereas Sweden, it's like picking who the most, you know, the most useful ones are going to be out of all of them. Um, but we can move on to Finland. We had trouble. Both of us, I think, had yes. trouble filling out a Finnish roster. I I got creative with this one, so we can throw up mine. Sure. Uh, I, start, I started with Miko Rantanen, Alex Barkov, and Patrick Laine up front. I just think that those three guys would play off each other well. Sorry, Will. I, so put, about, I put the wrong one up. Oh, you put your team. Oh, no. Hold on. There we go. Okay. There All it right. is. We're up? Okay. <laughs> So yeah, I got Miko Ranton and Alex Barkov and Patrick Laine up there. Sebastian Ajo, one of my favorite players in the league, and Rupe Hints in there with one of my favorite waiver pickups, Eli Tolvanen. Eli Tolvanen. Uh, Matthias Michelli, Jusperi Kotkaniemi, and Michael Granlund on that third line. Um, Tevo Teravainen, Anton Lindell, and my boy Brad Lambert on the fourth line, just because it would be good for the brand. Um, having an excellent AHL season. And honestly, that fourth line right wing spot, I had no idea what the hell to do with that spot, really. <laughs> I, I I also threw in, like, as an extra forward, I had the thought, because Jerry Turkalainen's contract is over this year in Finland, maybe someone gives him a shot, and he somehow pops and somehow makes the roster, because other than that, up front for Finland, I really did not have a clue who to put where. And of guys recently drafted, like... For Sweden, guys like Lekaramaki and Rosian and Eklund, I didn't really see much from Finland that I really could put a lot of faith into to to play well enough next year to earn the, the job. Like, I don't think Konsta Hellenius, Joachim Kamel, you know, any of those guys will get there. But, you know, I, I want Brad Lambert to get there for sure. He should. And uh, I agreed he, with well, you. Yeah. So I will show mine for a second time <laughs> yes so patrick yeah. line alex barkoff and miko randon i just think that line's solid sebastian aho rupe hints and tevo teravainen matisse michelli brad lambert ellie tolvanen then mikhail granlin anton lundell and Jesperi kakaniemi then on defense mm-hmm. we have miro heiskanen like we literally have the same defense heiskanen yogiari <laughs> lindell yeah. mikola valamaki yeah. and rista line which I mean, there's literally no other there's options. nobody else there's none the I only have... one i the only one i penciled in and i went and like watched some video of this guy play and i thought okay maybe i would take this guy over erasmus Ristolainen, and that's topi nimala like that's the only other finnish defenseman that i could dig up on the right right, right side on, right? on the right side yeah i was thinking and, him and go, maybe 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 but like that's you know maybe but again that's you know and we're pulling out of the NHL. Like the yeah, another like, name that was on there that I looked at is Yanni Hockenpah. Like, oh my god, yeah, like uh, yeah. But like this is what we're dealing with with Finland. Like ha- I thought it was funny looking at this too that half of the Finnish defensemen that play big minutes in the NHL are on Dallas. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was also pretty funny. It, it I don't know what funny. that's all about. I mean, yeah. they've got the better ones for sure. 
Yes, they do. Throughout the league. Yeah. Yeah. But honestly, like Finland, it was the easiest one probably because by default, most of the roster is already filled out and I don't see anybody really making moves to take over that. I mean, yeah. Yusi Saros will be their goaltender. I think so uh, too. Uko Pekka, Lukanen and Kakinen. I mean, there's a few options for them, I, I think. I took Huso but, instead of Kakinen. Yeah, yeah. Like, But I don't know if that guy will take ice from Saros, right? Like, He's not. No, Nobody's going to yeah. take ice from Saros. Like Saros is, no. in, in a lot of these cases, like with these goalies that we have here, it's whoever's the hottest. For exactly. Finland, it is UC Saros and nobody <laughs> yeah. else. Yeah, it is just UC Saros in that, you know, unless he's injured, you know, but I don't know. Fin but Finland was the easiest one uh, for sure. Goaltending wise, maybe, yeah. But like, I don't know. Yeah. It's just like, and so many Finns that defend are left-handed too. Like, I'm pretty, yes. I'm pretty <laughs> sure that there were times at the World Juniors where they just brought all lefties. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like they, wasn't that this this year? Yeah, I think they? it was this year. I think it was this year the Finnish junior team had all left. So there's nothing on the right hand side that's coming up in the pipeline. So it's gonna be yeah. Ristolainen forever, baby. <laughs> yeah, and Ristolainen will be what? Uh I think he's twenty twelve draft, so he'll be thirty one. So he'll still be of a solid age to be there. Um, but boy howdy. Um I mean the yes. defending's not great, oh. but he moves well. You know? Okay, so so Finland brought three right-handed defensemen to the World Juniors this year. So oh, okay. we'll we'll, there, we'll, we'll there check was, ourselves there. There was somebody, but none of them. There was yeah, there none of them are going to be on the uh, none of them will be on the NHL team no. uh, or on the the Foreign Nations team. Like, I don't think. Yeah. So and speaking of players that will not be in the Foreign Nations League or the Foreign Nations tournament, we have the Russian rosters because oh, what yeah. is hockey without Russia? It's not the same, I'll tell you that much. Hockey just isn't the same without Russia. Um, but anyway, I'll run through my roster for what I think the team would be going into the Olympics. So that kind of opens things up a little bit and gives a little bit more of a runway for some of these guys. But I've got Panarin, Malkin, Kucherov, Kaprizov. You didn't... Oh, geez, man. My... There you uh, go. Okay. Well, yeah, anyway, Panarin, Malkin, Kucherov, Kaprizov, Buchnevich, Svechnikov, Marchenko, Barbashev, Mikheyev, uh, Kuzmenko, Nemesnikov, Michkov, and then I've got Voronkov in there as a spare. Uh, Sergachev, Zub as your pair at, up front with Gavrikov, Provorov. I mean, I'm assuming that Sergachev's leg didn't completely explode last night and his career's over because that injury was gross. Thoughts with him. Uh, but I've got Gavrikov, Provorov, and then Romanov. And I'm throwing Dmitry Simashev in there for a couple of years from now. Why not? Uh, with Nikita Zavar Zadarov as a spare who can zoom, zoom, kaboom in a couple of years. Um, and the goalies, I mean, I, I, this was the tough one was Russian goaltending because there's like there's, six of them. They're, they're probably so good. Could. They're, yeah, so they're so good, good. man. Well, you're, I loved your theory today of, or was it you or yeah. was it No, it Sam? wasn't me. I yeah, said it you. to you. Yeah, uh, th that they're all really good goaltending because goaltenders because Russian defenses are so bad that they have to be good. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. So I've got Shostyorkin, Sorokin, and Vasilevsky in there, but I mean, maybe that could be a Bobrovsky. Maybe I, I, I mean, it probably won't be like an Askarov um, or a Samsonov a, either. Yeah, or a Samsonov. But there are a lot of good choices for the Russians. Uh, yeah, this Varlamov, Georgiev. Kochetkov maybe, but I feel like at the end of the day, you're but looking Georgiev at... represents Bulgaria, so I don't think he'd do Russia. Does he? Yeah. Internationally? I think so. Or... I don't know. 
Well, I know he's, no, he's Bulgarian. He is Bulgarian. He's Bulgarian, but he represents Russia internationally. Ah, okay. So technically, he could maybe could play for Bulgaria. Fair I'd enough. like to see that, <laughs> but but you know, but I don't think he's part of that roster anyway. I think the the trio of Shishchuk and Sorokin and Vasilevsky is is it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'll let you throw up your team. Well, throw up, throw on your team but again. <laughs> yeah. We, yeah. Again, we had the same, we had the, we ran into similar issues constructing this team yes. though. I'll let you go through it, but sure, I will go through it yeah. now. So yeah, Kaprizov, Malkin, Kucherov. I just think that's sick. Panarin, Buchnevich, Sveshnikov, also sick. Kuzmenko, Barbashev, Michkov, then Nachushkin, Voronkov, Marchenko. Then on defense, Gavrikov, Sergachev playing his offside. Orlov, Artem Zub, and then Dmitry Simashev and Nikita Zadorov, because why not? <laughs> Big yeah, why not? boys. Big boys. And then in goal, it's um, like whoever's the who's whoever's the best, like whoever's doing yeah. the best out of Shosturkin, Sorokin, and Vasilevsky. Those guys are yeah. literally three top four goaltenders. Three yeah. of the top four goaltenders. Like you could yeah. throw those guys on for any of the other teams. Other than Team USA, because I think Connor Hallebuck is like third, like the third best goalie. And then... Right. And they could represent pretty much the rest. <laughs> do you think Do you think we can like rush Canadian citizenship for, you know, Igor Shostyorkin? He seemed to it. really like the All-Star him. game in Toronto. Ship him a passport, you know, call it some sort of diplomatic thing. And give him special citizenship to play just to play goalie in this tournament and at the Olympics because uh, I think he might get ostracized in his own country. <laughs> eh, what's the worst that could happen in Russia? Uh, uh you, you definitely know what anyway. the worst could happen. <laughs> anyway, sending the order uh, to eliminate targets, yeah, enjoy the Arctic Circle, son. Um, but yeah, I mean, our, our rosters look pretty similar, but I thought it was hilarious how much we struggled to find centers to play for the Russian team. Um, there are none. I, I even thought about going to the KHL and seeing who plays center over in the KHL. Like maybe Ilya Kovalchuk, who just came back, will be available for a tournament at like the Olympics. And I don't, I don't know. My favorite, but thing, it's... my favorite thing about the Russian centers that, that I have for the most part, other than Malkin, Booch also plays wing and primarily plays wing. But I love him so much, and I just I'm like, what am I gonna do? Leave Booch off? I wouldn't have anyways, even if I had other centers. But it's just like, okay, well he can do this. He's he's the best they got for the position, so I gotta put him there, even though I like him more at wing. Mm -hmm. And Barbashev, similar deal, right? Like, yeah, more more a winger. Yeah, but you got and you I gotta make do. I don't know what that's about. I don't really get that. I, I, I've, I thought about this while we were making these rosters this morning. And like, I like, cause when I watch Russian hockey, there are guys who can skate. There are guys, but I, I don't know. Like, is it, they just don't care I about don't defense. Well, this is why maybe. the goalies are so good. Yeah. Maybe honest. Like, I, I mean, I guess I, do, that's the other thing too, is I watch Russian hockey and see how the defending works. And if you have a center who doesn't really like to defend, it makes your life significantly more difficult especially when defensemen in russia aren't always the greatest um but yeah it was weird putting that team together for sure um but i do really miss seeing that country play because i think that that team has lots of swagger all over it guys like svechnikov kucherov kuzmenko uh panarin kaprizov yeah like, like could you imagine kaprizov and 
Kucherov and Malkin on a line together. I am imagining it. It's amazing. I like it. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Or a line of Panarin and Svech with, Yep. I guess you're going to have to put Booch, but Booch has got experience playing with Panarin. So yeah, just not, not as his center. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. I mean, it seems, it seems as though like the world is kind of, I not isolate maybe allowing a little bit more athletics uh in Russia maybe a little bit more involvement from athletics in Russia like I know the CHL is lifting their uh, it seems like they're going to lift the ban on Russian and Belarusian players from coming over in the import draft which was an insane decision in the first place but uh so we'll see what happens by the time 2026 rolls around I don't think that Russia will be there but if they are that's a pretty good looking roster. I think that 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 up and down that roster, you're you're looking pretty good. Um, but unfortunately, we'll have to wait and see. So, Will, who's um, winning? Who who's, who's winning the whole thing? Who's winning the Four Nations? Based on I'm what gonna, you got, I'm with, I'm going with got. the U.S. I'm going with the U.S. Um, I just I just think that the top three guys there, Matthews, Hughes, Eichel, they can match up with Canada. I think that Canada will have the more maybe more physical team, I guess, with guys like Marchand and Hyman, um, even a Robert Thomas mixed in there, I guess. They'll have some skill for sure as well with Marner and Point and all that stuff. But God, man, like both Kachuk brothers, you know, Cole Caulfield, Alex DeBrincat, like Canada doesn't outside of, yeah, I guess Bedard is like the guy where you give him the puck and you know he can put it in the back of the net. I feel like the States just has that X factor offense that, that Canada might not like, it's like a 10 out of 10 versus a nine out of 10. Right. Yeah. Like, um, or even a nine and a half out of 10. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like these but two I, teams are so close. Yeah. But I do like the defense that the States has. I think their selection of defenders is arguably better. Like I'm a huge Charlie McAvoy fan. He uh, every Bruin, every Bruins game I watch, I go, this guy is unreal. Unreal. Like I feel like McAvoy is going to be one of those guys. And I talked about this in the mid season awards ballot. It's like, he's a guy who probably deserves to win a Norris a lot of the time, but just isn't quite having the seasons that people who win the Norris are having. He'll never put and, up the points, right? Like he'll just yeah. never put up that level of points, but he's so crucial to driving that team. Yes. Like the way they play, I honestly feel like because like Boston's such a good defensive and goaltending team, and so much of that comes from Charlie McAvoy. Mm-hmm. He's but just a god. When McAvoy is thirty-one years old and has a perfectly okay season, uh, he'll probably win a Norris then because voters <laughs> will vote for him because he deserves to have one finally. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I I think I give the edge to the states mostly because one, I think they're goaltending blows Canada's out of the water. Uh, their defensive play, I think, would be a little bit better. Uh, I'd say Canada has the maybe the best defenseman in the whole tournament and kill Makar. Yeah. But I still think that the U.S. sort of, as a whole, I'd probably put a little bit more money on. I mean, I don't count out the Swedes, uh, but I might be counting out the Finns. And now that I've said that, oh. they're going to win the whole thing. Right. I forgot to put Lekkonen on for Finland. Oopsies. Yeah, I mean, but sure. it's not it's not a massive deal at yeah, the end like, of the day. Like he's Lekkonen a good player. Is a good player. He's a good player. Yeah. And now that I think about it, should have thought about him more. 
because I, I I put Nachushkin on Russia. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I should have. I didn't. So I definitely should have been thinking about Lekkinen, and I did. I just think I forgot that I was didn't right. even put him on, but yeah. he, he was up there for consideration for sure. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, if based on his recent history, he's probably going to be injured, so he probably won't be there anyway. Yeah. But uh, I don't think he's played a full season in like six years, <laughs> something like that. Well, there but... there's not a lot of players like there. A lot of players no, deal know. with injuries too, like that, and they just yeah. like load management them yeah. at the end of the year. But but yeah, I mean, it's a it's it's going to be interesting. I mean, would you disagree like on that? Like that the, the um, states are kind of looking states like are the, the favorite. But the more I look at it, it's closer than I originally thought. Like I think Canada, like both defense groups are insane. I like the states style more personally. That's just more. Yeah, the agreed. way they play, I think, is more conducive to getting better results, right? Like you have a guy in twenty twenty four. Yes, like Austin Matthews with Matt Kachuk and Clayton Keller, I think, is going to be so nasty. Yes. you have a speedy skill guy in Clayton Keller. You have Austin Matthews, who is, in my opinion, the greatest goal scorer ever. Like just his ability to put the puck in the back of the net, I think, is unrivaled. Yeah, in the most literal sense goal scorer <laughs> yes yeah right like and then you have makachuk who's just this he is an agitator he is insanely skilled he's just so goddamn yeah. good man he's so he good. has he has so many ea sports x factors next to his name though <laughs> so those are superstar like, abilities and then oh sorry superstar and then your, abilities and then your x factor is the one that's just better than the other ones Oh okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm well, showing my age. He's uh, got he's got all five. No, but that's okay. yeah, he's got all of them. But yeah, I agree. I, I I but again, like that's not to say that Canada's team is bad. No. Um it, it's very good. Or Finland even. Yeah. Or or Sweden, I mean. Like Sweden they've got a very good team, but I just I don't know. Like and I think again, it falls like, apart at the defense with Sweden a yes. little bit more. Yeah. Because they got a lot of run and gun guys. Like Victor Hedman nowadays is not what no. he was. Mm-hmm. Still, still fine uh, yeah he'll still not... run a power play pretty awesome yeah but like their best defenseman in my mind is very clearly rasmus dalin right and very good defenseman obviously but it's just like they don't like with canada you have guys at the level of like true number ones throughout yeah sweden doesn't have number one defenseman all the way through the lineup like even on your yeah. lineup you have timothy lilligren who I love, but he's, he's I a, know he's a he's a second pair guy and yeah a very good second pair guy but yeah like where does Rasmus Dahlin fit on the Canadian roster right like is he the first pair winger second or first first pair left side second pair left side probably like second he wouldn't yeah. I don't think I'd play him ahead of Quinn Hughes if I'm the states so. And he's probably, I would say, at least a step ahead of the rest of the Swedish defensemen. I love Rasmus Anderson, but like, is Rasmus Anderson replacing Jacob Truba? Right? Is Rasmus I Anderson would. replacing <laughs> for, Dougie for Jacob Hamilton? Truba, I would, but for your third pair guy, mate, I guess. But like, I personally would rather but not Dougie probably... Hamilton. <laughs> not yeah, not chance. Dougie Hamilton. Yeah, no way. Um, Rasmus Ristolainen, though. Probably. Oh, easily. <laughs> he Anderson Anderson might be the second best he defenseman. Is the second, on he would be the second best defenseman you know, behind Haskinen. Um but yeah, I mean it's it's interesting. I, I'm curious how this tournament will go. 
I do think just looking at the names that won't be there at all, it's kind of sad. I know you mentioned Pasternak and Dreisaitl first, but like Stutzla, I feel like deserves yep. a, a chance. Yossi, yep. uh, Kevin Fiala, Oliver Bjorkstrand, Anze Kopitar, you know, um, Nikolai Ehlers. Like there's yeah. a lot of guys where we've been kind of been D- Daniel Sprong. Actually, you know, he represents Canada. Never mind. But <laughs> Maybe he'd change his mind just for just for a spot on a rest of the world team, and he could represent the Netherlands there. Um, but I feel like, from what I've heard about Daniel Sprung, he could not care less about the Netherlands. Um, but anyway, it's 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 unfortunate that we're not seeing like a rest of the world team, and there's like a lot of players where we've been really really robbed of seeing them at the level of play like this. Like at the Olympics, sure they'll they'll be there, but you know. I feel like a year's difference of say an Anze Kopitar who will be, I'm waiting for his pay. Yeah. He's going to be 38 in the next at the, at the Olympics. And we kind of have been robbed of him. Like he played at the Olympics in 2014 and haven't seen him since. And he's a guy that I feel like always deserves more of the limelight, you know? Um, so it's kind of unfortunate that this isn't a, a sort of five nations quote unquote. Um, but or like such a is, such tournament life. again where they have yeah. like rest of Europe and then yeah. Canada B <laughs> or North America. Yeah. 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 Like recycle the World Cup format because I thought that actually worked really well in retrospect. Like everybody it. made they fun of it. They actually hated it, man. I, I know think, they hated which is it. It's crazy. Yeah. Because so, but and, it's so funny because so many of those players on Team North America are the best players in the world today. Yes. Exactly. In fact, yeah, and, the t- three and, of the top four players in the world currently were on that Team North yeah. America roster. And that was probably one of the most fun teams I've ever watched. It was a ton of fun to watch. And the things, the the entertainment value alone from what you get by putting a bunch of guys that are young adults, really talented, creative young adults together, it, it sells itself to me. Um, but unfortunately... We've, we just have to move forward with, you know, the four biggest hockey nations in the world, arguably, outside minus of Russia, one. Yep. minus one. Um, but boy, howdy. I mean, Igor Sharangovich would have been fun. I don't know. I'm just going through oh, this, Sharangovich. and there's a lot of guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Sharangovich, Martin Natchez, um, yeah. just a lot of guys that are just unfortunately at the short end of the stick because of where they were born, which kind of sucks. But anyway, uh I get. I mean, I guess that's all we can really, really cover for that. I, I, I if there's any, unless there's anything else that you kind of wanted to go over there, but my list, I'm are curious. Perfect. My teams are perfect. Anyone who disagrees yes. with me, you can go uh... eat a lemon. Sure. Let, let's go sure. We'll eat say a lemon. That. Yeah, we'll go eat a lemon or a dozen lemons or something like that. Um, eat a shard of but... glass. How's that? Oh man, that. Oof. That's one of my. That's a fear of mine. Like eating eating glass or something by accident or like oh, tinfoil. Well, I'm sorry. I, 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 ate, <laughs> I ate tinfoil by accident once when I was oh. younger, and it's like stuck in my mind. You know, that sounds and, horrible. Uh, it was not good. It was not fun. Did not feel very good. Uh, but I lived. I lived to tell the tale. Um, but that was a long time ago. Um, well, I guess, unless there's anything else we wanted to go over, I mean, no, we had okay. the Edmonton Oilers in the notes here. Yes, we can talk about how they're going to suck now go, and lose every single yeah, game the, the Oilers, rest of the year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the thing about the Oilers that was so that's so funny to me is 
and I, I still can't believe that this is true, but if you look at the before and after stats, like deeper than just win loss for the Edmonton Oilers, they are literally the identical team that they were before Jay Woodcroft got fired, except they're getting good goaltending. Like they are regressing to where they should be and they still have more room to go because that's how bad they were at the beginning of the year. So that game against Vegas, like it sucks that they lost, but you can't say they stopped trying, right? Like that game, we were watching it. Like it was a great game. It's a short-handed goal. Yeah. And I watched that game at the end of it and I went, you know what? I want this as a conference final or something like those two teams just going at it for six, seven games. I have no idea who wins right now. It's a first round matchup. Right. And yeah, either way, that would be a great playoff matchup, but I kind of thought I would really love to see just the Vegas Golden Knights versus Connor McDavid uh, play itself out in a playoff series because they're they're a, they're both really really good teams and they were really going at it. All right. I mean, obviously now you Connor mentioned McDavid. Vegas. Mark Stone yes. could have made that Canadian team. Sure. Yeah, Mark Stone could be mixed in there as well. Yeah. Again, Canada could probably have two full teams. So could the states, and they'd both be really good. But yeah, that Oilers game, I mean, you could see, I mean, Connor McDavid definitely wanted to win that game. Yeah. (laughs) He he was, you don't really see that out of Connor McDavid very often. Yeah. And he pretends Uh, like, oh, it doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. And then he's like huffing and puffing on the bench because they're not going to, they're not going to tie the streak. Yeah. And I have my thoughts about Connor McDavid. Why don't you share those thoughts? Well, I think they'd be very fun to talk about. Oh my God. Yeah. So the all-star game weekend made me have such an irrational dislike of Connor McDavid as a, as an aura, like his aura, right? He, he had a big hand in redesigning the all-star skills competition and had a lot of input on how it would work. And he won. So, you know, put on your tinfoil hats if you want, but he, he helped make that event so fun that to me, it, it rescued it. And I don't think you could, you could make a more boring television personality. If you made it in a laboratory, like the, the, he's an AI bot for reflect deflecting questions, you know, like, how are you feeling today? And he'll go, uh, good. And that'll be it. You know, I, I just cannot, it, it, it it was so strange to me. Like I, he, the guy, the guy, it's almost like he doesn't want to have any attention on him ever, but he constant he's doing stuff that like the, I don't even know how to explain it. He rescues an, like a gigantic production that the league put on. And if anything, he should be the face of that whole event. Right? Like I know he won, but in terms of like, talking to the crowd and the media and all of this stuff he just it was oh my god i I wish i had clips of him answering some of the questions during that event or anything but you could almost write a script of what he's going to say before he says it and oilers fans travel well oh my god yeah like i i mean look i love Connor mcdavid it's you know it i i'm trying to think of an analogy here i love how he plays i think he's the most exciting player in the league but it's like it makes it so negative in my head that a player that good, that exciting, that awesome, that much fun is 
literally the least interesting human being publicly at least in i don't i can't i can't think of another sport like i can't think of another sport with a player that elite who is that not interesting and and it almost as if he like actively throws questions back at reporters to just get through it as if he just would rather be doing anything else so it's just a weird dichotomy to me and it drove me nuts at that event especially because i was like i was just thinking you made this a thing you you've rescued this but holy smokes man like look like you enjoy it you know like look like you're having some fun and 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 you know have some fun with the people watching on television right like own this right own what you've done and it was just it's just so canadian boy you know like good old canadian boy always humble always quiet you know just does his thing and calls it a day drives me drives me crazy um imagine, was, to win a imagine st- jack hughes had won that event yeah yeah imagine william like, nylander had won that event i know or like imagine michael jordan was boring you know it would it would be annoying <laughs> like, like it's like you're michael it's like you're michael jordan like act like michael jordan and it's like he's he you know and uh you know pucks in deep you know or oh yeah you know i don't know what the i don't know what the equivalent of pucks in deep in basketball is i i really don't like got in the paint i don't know i'm not a basketball getting fan, our but, chances but that's still, yeah i don't even yeah know. Oh, you know, oh you know we got our chances you know we got in the paint you know we gotta try we got to keep getting looks. there you know we gotta we gotta hit our shots you know gotta move the ball you know blah 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 it's like god michael like you you could be a superstar if you just you know whatever but but instead I'm not i took that personally <laughs> yeah exactly i took that personally you know i i I mean, I'll, I'll side note it. If any of you didn't watch that during the pandemic, the the Chicago Bulls documentary, you definitely got to go watch it. It's amazing. I thought it was incredible. It was incredible. But I had to. I I don't know. That that that's my feelings on the on Connor McDavid after that All Star weekend because it was oh man, awesome player. It's just if he was even the slightest bit more marketable, like this is the face just, of our. This is the face of our league. Yeah, I cannot imagine. I cannot imagine being that exciting and electrifying. And at some level, I just don't like I can't even blame it on him because I think he grew no. up in a way where hey man, you're going to be the face here. You got to be able to be humble. Like he had to, like he probably got all this training as a kid and it just they kept feeding him this this notion of <laughs> you gotta not say anything, okay? I gotta I gotta you, say Sean Sean Cosgrove with a great comment. Uh, Gatorade, is it in you? McDavid says, "Well, yeah, you know, it's pretty good. Red flavor is nice, thanks." <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, it's like, man, uh, I I just can't imagine being that electrifying, that much fun, that incredible at this sport, this sport that is literally the fastest thing in the world, and a camera gets pointed at you. And it's as if you're not even there. And right? I bet you like, he's, you may as, you may as well be a computer you he just hides a bit of the personality. Like I bet you there's a lot more there. For sure. That's, that's well, you, waiting to be unlocked, but it never will it. be. Yeah, cultural. Be I think it's awesome, a culture dude. thing. Yeah, it's a culture thing. Hockey is not like the the world of the, of hockey is not super like the, it's not super fun. You know, <laughs> like like. It's it's as if it's as if this is more of a job than a game for these people. 
but it's some like yeah it's both it's both yeah some of them right but it's it, it can be both you know like why are we so allergic in canada especially like it holds i think it holds the whole country back in a way where it's like this 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 conservative you know holding yourself in kind of thing and don't show too much emotion because then you seem arrogant and the last thing you want is to seem arrogant but it's like well you know walk the like Connor mcdavid walks the walk but he doesn't talk the talk which yeah, he to has me every is right to be the bizarre. biggest rat yeah pos ever and be like yeah. yeah i'm the greatest thing to ever be put on this planet thank you very yeah. much ladies and gentlemen and drop a mic if i were yeah, him that's like, what i'd be doing because i am not a good person that's yeah, what like, i'd be doing i'd be like i'm amazing worship <laughs> me mic drop bang or even, yeah, like you said when he was asked about the win streak, oh, it doesn't matter, this and this and this. It's like, oh, shut up. Like It matters. What are you talking about? It matters Yeah, to it's you. like, what are you talking about? Go out. You, like, are you a competitor? Like, you, the thing you should be saying to the media, like, if you really, you know, if this is, I don't know, maybe he just sees it as hockey is my job and I don't care about anything else. It's like, okay, cool. But what a, it's like a waste. You know, it's it's you're watching something that is being wasted, you know, in a way. But it's like, dude, if you're going to go and you're, you're about to tie the record for the longest win streak in NHL history. And when someone asks you if it matters that you win, you basically say no. Like, man, I don't know. <laughs> oh, it's like, nice. Oh, yeah. It's like, oh, it would be nice. But, you know, it doesn't really, you know, we're not, not really we're thinking about on. it. We're not really focused on it. It's like, bro, that should be like winning that game should be. Like imagine, imagine you have yeah, go for it. One, you're one goal short of the NHL record for scoring goals in your career, and you have six games left in your career. Is scoring another goal on the top of your on the top of your mind? Ah, uh, you know, if I get it, you know, whatever. But if I don't get it, that's uh, okay. Uh, but I'll go out there and try to score. But like blah 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 blah. It's like, what do you like? No man, that should be like your life's meaning right like That's between so now and two weeks from now score a goal because i like, remember that... when austin matthews was two away from 60 he said i'm shooting tonight that's what he said yeah i'm shooting yeah tonight. yeah <laughs> and like you see it with a guy like austin matthews too where you he's know quieter, I, think, I think but like he's, he's still quieter yeah he still shows what he's like he shows off what he's thinking a little bit yeah. at least yeah yeah and and like we talk about this a lot privately but like it sometimes it just looks like the toronto maple Leafs are just not having fun when they play relative to a lot of other teams in the league but if they don't look like they're having fun very often connor mcdavid looks like he looks like he does before he brushes his teeth in the morning all game long he's just stoic flat-faced nothing all game long but you know, maybe like maybe you're right. There's a little bit more behind the curtain. I think it's that he just hides. a cultural thing. I think it's a cultural but, uh, yeah, thing. Yeah, I agree, a hundred percent. He he grew up to being told that you got to be humble when you're the generational prospect. Like even think about Connor Bedard. I think Connor Bedard exhibits a lot more personality. Yes, and will talk about things more openly. Like I barely know anything about Connor McDavid other than he's the best hockey player I've ever seen in my life. Right. Right. Like Connor Bedard talks about things. Like he talked about his shot, like kind of who he modeled his game after. And like, I mean, that's more hockey related, but it's not like, like you don't it's see Connor McDavid going and getting, like going out and meeting other NBA superstars and doing a jersey swap with yeah. Victor Wembanyama. And I know that's a Which more natural awesome. thing, 
but yeah. that was cool, right? Like that's a cool yeah. thing that Connor Bedard's doing. Like he's selling the game at least a little more, right? Yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing, right? Like, is I guess the question is like, is it the job of the players to sell the game? Yes. Right? And it's like, well, it doesn't. Yeah, the answer is yes, but also it doesn't have to be. But then you can't turn around and wonder why your sport isn't growing, right? Like, the NHL has fallen behind in terms of overall value compared to other major sports in in North America, and you know, it's like, well, how do you fix that? There and there are easily things you can point to that are structural, but also cultural. And it's this, I don't know, I never understood this hesitancy, especially from Canada, about sticking your neck out a little bit and like being confident. It's a cultural and, thing, Will. It's like, oh, yeah. we're we're humble, we apologize, oh, we're the better neighbor yeah. to the States when we're when we're not. That's what this but is. There's, yeah. All this Canadian culture, this idea that we're yeah. superior when we are not <laughs> we are inferior yeah. yeah it's well that's the thing right like it's like uh like i'm i run my own business i own two businesses and i'm trying to get them off the ground for sure but it is really interesting seeing like how just talking to people about what i'm doing they're like oh you you started a business like good for you like entrepreneur it's like there there's no entrepreneurial spirit in Canada, or at least relative to America, like in the States, man, like all you have is your own hustle and grind. Like most people, that's what they have in Canada. It's far more common to just have a job and, and work your job and what, and that's it. I don't know. Maybe I'm just speaking from an outside perspective as a Canadian, but it's like the, the idea of sort of creativity and entrepreneurial spirit and sticking your neck out and trying things. Not a Canadian thing at all. Not a Canadian trait for a lot of people. Um, and again, like, yeah, and that, that bleeds into something like hockey because some, it, 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 nowadays in hockey, it's like, look at Canada's junior teams and everything, right? Or Canada, the juniors. They kind of have to rethink how they approach the game and they're resisting it you look at the states they're looking at it and going okay well this this style of play works better now so we gotta keep pushing that right canada the structure of hockey in canada we already got a question about it but we can talk about it um later but the structure of hockey in canada is so bloated and insane that it's kind of now being forced upon them to change so and Canada doesn't like changes. Like we really nope. do not like, we really do not like uh rock in the boat or, or changes. And then sometimes they just happen extremely quickly. Um, but in any case, I mean, the original topic was the Edmonton Oilers. I, my big thing about the Oilers is just how funny it is that before and after the coaches firing before Woodcroft left, uh, they literally have not changed their results offensively or defensively outside of more goaltending. Like that's, that's really it. Well, I and, think they're a better rush defense team now. Sure. Like they, they may, I, I might be wrong, but there's some change in terms of what kind of shots they give up. I think it's that Stuart Skinner is not a good off the rush goalie. Okay. So I could be confused and flipping it the other way, but like, I think they're allowing more cycle chances as opposed to letting um, letting them have quality chances off the rush because that's where he struggles more. So I think right. they've changed that, and that's been the difference. But it's so crazy just how how much that's affected them and rocketed them up the standings. Yeah, I know. It's and they still have room to go from here. Like 
I did the math. I put it on, out on Twitter in a very convoluted way because it's hard to explain. But the Edmonton Oilers are a team where they should, if they want to match up to what their expected goals for rate this year is, like they need to score. They they need to score like three even strength goals a game to match by the end of the year to match what they should have. Like they still have a long way to go to make up the ground that they lost at the at the first couple of months of the year. So I I mean I'm not saying they're never going to lose again, but man the the signs for this team are so bright. It's it's pretty crazy. Um, I forget why I'm looking at their uh, uh, hockey viz page here, but anyway, we'll forget about that for now. Um, it's to say yeah, that I mean, Evan Bouchard sucks. That's why. You said that, not me. Um, probably targeted specifically at one person. Exactly. I don't know, maybe? And he knows yeah. I don't think Evan Bouchard sucks entirely. He just sucks <laughs> at playing defense. Right. But, yeah, so, I mean, I don't know. I'm looking forward to seeing the Oilers down the stretch, even though they couldn't quite get there against Vegas. I think that's a game where you lost, but you can, you know, hang your hat on it still. Like, that was a hell of a run. That game could have gone either way. A couple bounces here, a couple bounces there, and maybe we're looking at a different universe. But I don't know. I, I really, really enjoyed that game. And, and I think that those two teams really in a playoff series, like, it, it, like, I don't know. You you watch a lot more of the Leafs than I do. But has there been a Leaf game this year that had that kind of energy? You know, like that kind of intensity and speed and exchanging chances and the crowd was that into it like i can't recall one from what i've seen this um, year living in the area the but game i went to against tampa but they had to go down 5-1 in order for that to happen oh yeah yeah that yeah well that's the toronto maple leafs right or 4-1 <laughs> i think yeah that's that's how that that's how they work in that way but um anyway it's like it's... there's flashes of that in leafs games but it's yeah. never consistent like when they start yeah. moving they're one of the best teams out there so long as they don't get hemmed in their own end with old man TJ Brody and old man Mark Giordano. But like, well, it's true, man. Like, No, you're right. Yeah. I, I'm going to quote my brother here. It's Riley Lilligren and then Plumbers. Yeah. yeah I don't I, think that's, I, I don't think that's controversial. Like, I like Simon Benoit enough. I think the Jake McCabe trade was ridiculous, but I don't want to go into this so much because yeah, you know, no, we're not. You can do it. We're not do it every show. or yeah, no, or anything. It's the else. Oilers. I just I love I love watching the Oilers this year. They're a fascinating story since day one. Uh, I I'm just like I was just blown away uh, by that by that game, and uh, I I think I think that they're sort of putting themselves back in the conversation of like not to yeah. screw around and and they're getting somewhere. And see what happens when you don't trade for Pat Maroon, like people were suggesting. <laughs> yeah, you can just sign yeah. Corey Perry. Yeah, or do nothing. You know, you could basically, do nothing. They basically did just, nothing other than fire yeah. their coach, and it worked. Yep, yep, and that's great. Great news. Great news for them. Uh, it seems to be working. Yeah, and Chris Knobloch probably now would go on my ballot. Um, my uh, my Jack Adams ballot. And he'll get fired in 18 months. <laughs> yes. When the Oilers lose 24 <laughs> games to start the season. Exactly. <laughs> Connor McDavid goes down with an injury and the whole world falls down. Anyway. Um, but, I mean, unless there's anything else that question time, you really want to... Yeah, we can go to question time. Yeah, but some, first, some... ad read time. Yes, of course. So, Scouching Live, uh, which is the show that you are watching, is brought to you by Fanatics. You can use our affiliate link below 
or scan the QR code in the stream window to provide a small kickback on everything you buy. We're also brought to you by Puck Preps Hockey, where you can get all of your NCAA prospect needs and CHL entry draft work. A bunch of smart people work there, including my co-host Samuel McGillicuddy, McGilligan. We're also brought to you by Fractal Hockey Consulting, which is my business for hand-tracked player analysis tools and recruitment packages, uh, mostly focused on the NCAA in Europe with solutions for any organization of any size. And of course, scouting.ca, where you can gain exclusive access to innovative data tools, providing tons of insight into draft prospects and players making their mark in the NHL and the NHL as it is. So let's get into Sam the questions. Smart. He's literally named dumb on Discord. He did that himself. I know. He did that himself, but, you know, he just likes to set his Colby bar low. Get it? Remember that? Yes. Absolutely, I remember that. Anyway. Uh, questions, questions, questions. Well, first, Thoughts on Brent? One oh, came what? in about Lilligren not yes. being as consistent recently. That's because he plays with Geo. What are you supposed to do? That is, yeah. Giordano That's the answer. He's got to. He's got to play. He's got to play for two people. Yeah. I love Mark Giordano. I met him when I was a kid. A really good dude, and he was a great hockey player. But he's forty-one now, I think, or close to it. That's so many years. I'm thirty-three, and forty-one feels like ancient. <laughs> so Lilligren is being is out there and yeah. being asked to do everything. So that I think is part of the problem. Yeah, unfortunately. Sorry that I cut that to the top of the line, but I just had to get it off no. my chest. I gotcha. It's all good. Uh, thoughts on Brent Johnson and his progression since his draft year, and what do you think Ooh. of his future? I love Brent Johnson. Yeah, yeah. Brent Johnson is interesting. Uh, kind of got bumped down the depth chart at the University of North Dakota, but I watched a few games of him over the years there, and I thought he certainly looked a lot better than his numbers would indicate um i figured him getting you know doing a transfer made sense um ohio state is a very interesting program full of sort of decently skilled guys um you know i think bren johnson the offensive game that i saw out of him it doesn't seem to be translating and i i, I will say i haven't seen him this year much um but from what I remember watching last year from the last couple of seasons with North Dakota, you know, he, he needs his, his weaknesses a lot of the time were defensively monitoring, uh, you know, monitoring gaps and, and, and playing defense in his own end and closer around the net and clearing space. And that's, you know, that's very important stuff that you need to pick up. And I feel like he's still sort of on that path and he doesn't, his offensive game hasn't projected to the point where he can overcome those shortcomings. So it kind of bumps him down the lineup. Um, but that being said, like the offensive tools are still there. He's creative. He's skilled. He still sees the ice the same way that he did when he was a draft eligible, you know, really intelligent puck mover, um, good shooter from the point, but boy. Yeah. I mean, I, I think for Washington, I think you just let him play in college as long as he, as long as he possibly, uh, can and just see how things go at Ohio State. I believe he can technically stay there another three years uh, if he wants. So we'll see what happens with him. I always figured he'd be a little bit of a project because he did, 
you know, he went from 16U playing in uh, with Little Caesars, which I believe is in Michigan. Uh, then he went straight to the USHL and just worked his way up the depth chart and ended up being one of the most heavily used players for Sioux Falls that year. And so he went AAA, USHL, NCAA in two years to a team that bumped him way down the depth chart really quickly. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I feel like this is sort of a reset year for him. He has been better on paper, but we'll see. I, I think uh, I think we'll have to see. I think you wait and, I, I don't know, wait and see on him. I, I I'll, But I'll take a look at him with Ohio State because – He's a name I haven't seen in a really, really long time. And I am genuinely curious because I was a fan of his. Uh, have you seen Tyson Bukowski? I think you asked me about him before. Um, but the answer is no. I've seen him once, but he stood out with Puck Moving and Skating Billy. I have not seen him, so I'll 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 give him a I'll give him a peek. Unfortunately, he plays for the Regina Pats, which is too bad. Uh, no longer have Connor Bedard, so are very bad. <laughs> Yeah, they are. Well, they are not good. Um, <laughs> old man Lucas Abiza and Damian Clara will carry Italy. Yeah, probably. Uh, Italy, Italy's national team will be very interesting. Uh, I always love those teams. Those uh, small country out of retirement to play for Italy. Yeah, those small country uh, Olympic teams because they have to be there by default. Um, South Korea's team was a lot of fun. Uh, China, <laughs> you know, all 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 kinds of fun. But yeah, Italy, we'll see. But Damian Clara probably will be on that team. Um, we need a Bedard Crosby McDavid line for the scriptwriters. Yeah, I guess so. But I don't think that you would do that. Uh, putting putting McDavid and Crosby one on the wing, I think, is sacrilegious. But Bedard with one of them, yeah, easily. Uh. Danton Danielson, talk to me about Demidov's skating. Loves his inside edges. Any concerns with that? Makes me a bit concerned about his ability to operate in tight space, but not sure. So if anything, the concern for me with him is not even operating in tight space because the skill level is so good that he can sort of get through those areas quite well. The problem is he's not quite the quickest guy. And he does take some time to read options and especially execute on them um, on breakouts and everything. He'll take a bit of time to exit the defensive end and, you know, take a bit of time to recognize a guy streaking up the ice, looking for a breakout pass going into the offensive zone. Um, you know, he'll make passes that are riskier than you would like for sure in that kind of a situation. And he doesn't really have the speed to separate from players like in the KHL, you really saw where that shortcoming came up, where he just could not get away from guys. Uh, he was waiting too long to make plays and and trying to overhandle things a little bit. And it led to turnovers and it led to issues um, a lot of the time when I watched him there. So I think at the end of the day, the concern is more, can he learn? Is he either going to improve the the explosiveness to the point where he can create that space a little bit easier for himself, or can he learn to make plays and execute things really quickly or a lot quicker than he does, especially outside the offensive zone? Um, because he's not going to have the same luxuries he gets in the MHL, even in the KHL. And I think we saw a lot of that at the beginning of the year. Um, 
how much improvement do you see from Philip Erickson? Oh, there's a name I haven't thought about in a while. Yeah, so I do know that Erickson is doing quite well in hockey all Svenskin. The thing about Erickson, um, he missed most of last year. He was injured. Uh, I believe he only played like 15 games last year, a couple in the NA, in the uh, SHL. Um, I, I mean, it, it's tough. I kind of liked Erickson uh, watching him in the under 20 level, but didn't think he was particularly like extraordinary. Um, but that's also part of the gig when it comes to players that are very, very injured. Um, they'll miss most of the year and then not quite look themselves uh, coming into the, coming into the season, missing the first chunk of it. Um, I think Erickson played a couple of games and then got hurt and missed a number of months. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I can't really tell you specifically like how he's been in Sweden. Cause I haven't seen a ton of him. Um, but he is playing for a team that is trying to stay up in the hockey all and they're giving him lots and lots of ice time, uh, for sure. And that certainly has been helpful for him. I always came away thinking that he was more watching him last year was a bit more of like a offensive zone finisher type guy. Um, not the best skater, not the most skilled guy, but just knew how to put the puck in the net, knew how to find guys around the ice uh, in the offensive zone to sort of make plays. Just a smart, smart sort of pass first guy in the offensive zone. Um, but I don't know. I'm not. I'm not going to sit here and uh, and and throw out the idea that he's like a steal for Montreal. But he is certainly outperforming a number of other options that teams took in the sixth round. Uh, you can't complain about that for, for a guy like that, especially. So it's an interesting thing to keep in mind when players are injured and miss large chunks of seasons. Um, teams might forget about them or, or not value them particularly well. Uh, and you might be able to find some value there. And yeah, like even if, you know, if, if he plays one game in the NHL, then that's a win for a sixth round pick. Right. So We'll see what happens with him. I'm not saying he will play in the NHL, um, but it is a pleasant surprise to see him doing well in Sweden. And like Brent Johnson, I'll uh, have to take a look. Uh, can you go into plays with quote plays with pace a bit and explain what you look like, what you look for when someone has that? So, yeah, I mean, it's essentially like the NHL is a league where everything happens very quickly. You know, not everybody in the NHL is fast. I think, AJ, you would concur. <laughs> yes. Not not everybody in the NHL is fast, but they have to do things quickly, right? You don't see very many NHLers finding a lot of success carrying pucks themselves around the perimeter, circling around and around and around, unless you're like William Nylander. It's, it's very rare to see players work that way. The NHL is a very structured, structure-focused league. Um, a lot of times when coaches come in and are more relaxed when it comes to structure, like a Bruce Boudreaux in Vancouver, things can fall apart because there isn't a whole lot of direction. And sometimes guys need that structure in order to be effective uh, in the NHL, which is perfectly fair. But pace to me is like an all encompassing term of, you know, when they're facing oncoming pressure, what do they do? You know, if they're, if they're, can they escape, you know, players when they're they're in tight you know along the boards can they can they identify options quickly and make passes quickly a guy like berkeley catton very very good at that um you know how do they get the puck up the ice when they catch rebounds uh how quickly can they identify where to send the puck next or uh you know all of that stuff because hesitation i i did some work uh with a news or with a hockey development program 
uh, with Marcus Gustafson last year uh, called the Blue Line Hockey IQ program, um, which is a really, really, I, I got to look through it and it was a really helpful program. Uh, Marcus Gustafson, big time NCAA college player from the 90s, whose son is now at Boston College and I'm a fan of his son. Um, but Marcus had this really interesting, you know, uh, database and theory about how most NHL scorers don't touch the puck for longer than like half a second. Generally, most of the time, not all the time. Um, but whether it's planning for a shot, uh, actually shooting a puck, moving the puck up the ice, all those things have to happen in the NHL in like a second or less. And the number, the amount of time you hold the puck on your stick is the likelihood of a goal being scored dropping significantly. So to me, pace is more about juggling all these things at once and, and how do you get the results that you get and how quickly can you get them? Um, so I could have slow players, uh, you know, like I could have slow players on my list that I really like, but they, they do things very quickly and, and they can sort of play that complementary role. A great example at the time was Yuri Slavkovsky, a guy who wasn't the best puck carrier, wasn't the best, you know, uh, wasn't the best, you know, speedy, speedy guy, but he made his decisions very quickly. He kind of knew where to hit guys in stride. He knew how to hit guys on a breakout. He knew how to make plays in the offensive zone. You know, if, if he was pinned up against the boards and he managed to get the puck free, he didn't really need to think that often. He just kind of identified an option and executed on it. So those kinds of things can exist with players that are not necessarily fast, but to me, it's the biggest thing in the NHL is, you know, off the puck, how hard are you pressuring puck carriers, right? With the puck, can you identify your options? Can you can you hit your options quickly? Can you get the puck off your stick quickly? Can you put yourself in the right position quickly? Can you find open space quickly? Um, if you find open space quickly and you get countered, can you find more empty space quickly? How quickly do you adapt to all of these things? And those are, I think, a lot of the factors that that really matter in the NHL. And I think, I think are very difficult to learn. Like the, the, the AJ, we were talking about this earlier, but it's like the give a crap measure. Like, yes. can you, can you see guys who, who play like their, their, their feet are on fire, you know, where they just, everything is about getting the puck. Everything is about moving the puck. Everything is about putting the puck on net and everything is about, you know, putting the, putting, putting the puck in the net. Um, but yeah, that's a great point from the comment there. Tavares is not a fast player, but he does play with that. You know, he, he touches the puck and it's off of his stick relatively quickly. And then he's right back in the breakout and trying to find room and makes himself an option and does things relatively quickly while not going super fast. Yeah. Pace doesn't um, just, it's not just limited to your feet. It's also how you think there's a reason that mm -hmm. David's the greatest player, at least ever in my opinion. And it's because he can, he, he's so fast and yet, he's able to think at the speed he plays at. Yeah. And pull the puck around at the speed he plays at, which With is also skill, yeah. insanely difficult. Um, so yeah, that that's kind of where I come from with that. Uh, when talking about Aaron Kiviharyu, how much of the concern about him is, is the player and how much is the team and league he plays in? I honestly think it's a lot of it is the player. Um, again, Kiviharyu only played seven games so far this year. I believe he's coming back this month. 
and I will be watching a lot of him because I don't really know what to do with him. I, you and I watched a game of him at the beginning of the year when he was playing, he was not good. Um, he was, he was, his defensive rush play was not good. He's very passive, uh, allowed a lot of control on blue line transitions. Guys were taking him wide and getting right around him and going right to the net. Um, yeah. He would look lost on cycles what that were moving was, pretty quickly. What I said was John Klingberg without speed. <laughs> sure, right? Like, I, I don't know. I, I think with Kivu Haru, it's, he's a very, like, Kivu Haru is a very uh, pass intelligence first guy. Yep. You know, at the junior level, he was doing the whole baiting and switching his pass options and and looking one way and passing another and shaking guys off of him in transition. He was doing that stuff when he was 14, which is a sort of higher level level of thinking that can you can take advantage of younger players that way. Um, but when you don't have the evasiveness or the mobility or the skill level to adapt to better players and pro level players, especially that's when things kind of fall apart a little bit. And with Kiwi Haru, you know, again, like I, I have to go when I'm evaluating guys, I can't go, well, this guy was really good in a record setter at under 20 level in Finland, right? Like I can't, I can't in good conscience, look at that and go, okay, but maybe he's not there now, but maybe he could get to that under 18 level player against men in the future. So therefore he's worth what people were penciling him in as, as a top pick in this year's draft. I just can't do that. I, based on what I've seen out of him this year, especially because over the last few years, I haven't seen the sort of, this guy could be a first overall pick level player out of Kiwi Haru. Um, but such is life. Uh, but I do think a lot of it is the player because we talked about this on Monday, I think where, in Finland, it's not so much that the league as a whole is bad. It's not about the players in the league being bad. It's just very strange. It's a very strange and different style of play that is very different from the NHL. And with Kivi Haru, you know, with Brad Lambert, you could identify, okay, this guy's doing XYZ really, really well. And what's around him isn't really working out. With Kivi Haru, I look at him play at that level and I'm going, it's not really working that well so far. I, I don't you know, and I think he's got a ways to go, but he he's coming back and, uh, and we'll see how it goes. Uh, I'll, I'll be very curious. Uh, what are your thoughts on the CHL NCAA news? And do you think it changes anything about the future of NCAA hockey? Uh, well, yeah, it's going to change NCAA hockey a lot. <clears throat> um, from what I know, it is going to happen. Um, it seems like it, or at least it will take the next steps. Um, I think it's going to be very interesting because the CHL is certainly doing this to protect its own interest in keeping the players in their local markets in Canada as long as they can. Um, and that's a big sticking point for them, which makes sense, I suppose. Uh, and with the CHL, Hockey Canada really is, I think, this takes a lot of wind out of the sails of the British Columbia Hockey League who was trying to sort of form this super league of college prep players that can go to the NCAA without concern from playing in the CHL. So I see it as a good thing at the end of the day, but it's very chaotic. Like you ask about the future of NCAA hockey. 
I don't really know what it entails. I think it will empower lower end teams to recruit a little bit easier. Um, the higher end teams are probably not a fan of this because I think they like the hegemony they have over the, over the landscape and the ability to recruit the best of the best and not really have a whole lot of competition there from the guys beneath that layer. But when you open things up significantly, especially those guys who are, you know, maybe not NHL bound in the CHL, but could play in the ECHL or AHL or something like that. And instead of that, they can now go play college hockey you know, what, what difference could that make at that level? Right. It could be a pretty significant change. Um, and I think it's a great thing for Canadian players. I mean, Canadian universities are good, but it is pretty prestigious to have a division one scholarship to the NCAA and, and a degree from the States. And, you know, you don't play as much hockey. So if your priorities are more, I want to get an education and I want to, you know, blah, 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 probably not a bad place to do it. And I think that should be a focus for a lot more young Canadian hockey players um, as opposed to, you know, playing pro or, or whatever, because that's a much more difficult thing to do. Um, but yeah, I, I think it makes it. So my main things are, it takes a lot of wind out of the sails of the BCHL doing what they're doing. It is another mayor. It is another area where hockey Canada is kind of being forced to make changes and adapt and make things, you know, better in a way. And I think it's great for the NCAA because it expands their pool of good players significantly, right? You know, and I think it does kind of suck for those guys in the NCDC or NAHL who, you know, may do really well at those levels. But now instead of a Division One scholarship, they might have a lower tier Division One scholarship or they go Division Three, and, you know, say what you will, but that's not quite the same level of competition. Um, but if anything, also, it could mean more Division One teams than NCAA hockey at the end of the day, which is great news because the more the merrier, especially with more players in the at that level. So I think a lot of it is unknown. Um, there's still a lot of details about this, uh, this agreement that they are probably still working out. Um, but I get the feeling it's going to happen um, at least at some point, And we'll have to see what happens. Um, <clears throat> is Michael Hage, uh, is Michael Hage's draft year more like his draft year minus one, considering he only played 13 games. Do you think we'll see what Hage could have been had he not got injured in two years? I think that's what that question is asking. Um, well, maybe, I mean, I watched him yesterday. Uh, he played quite well. Again, he has not played poorly in any of the games I've seen. He was not what he was now last year for sure. Um, and Michael Hage could be a really good example of like that Philip Erickson type guy. Obviously he won't be a sixth round pick, but you know, if Michael Hage's last season was this year, yeah, I could see Hage being a guy that drops quite a bit. Um, but the skill level is really, really good. Um, he's a, both a shooter and a passer in the offensive zone, a really good sort of dual threat offensive guy. Um, there's a, there's a bit of question marks around him, I would say, but as sort of a complimentary all around offensive guy who can move the puck really well. Uh, again, we're talking about pace. He's not the quickest player, but he recognizes pressure really easily uh, and, and finds ways around it really creatively, um, which I respect a lot. Um, he's been moving up my board consistently all year. Uh, and, and I've really liked Michael Hage. He's been, he's been very good this year for sure. And, and yeah, I, I think, you know, um, I imagine that 
he'll, you know, I mean, hopefully he does keep on improving. And yeah, like you said, in a couple of years, sure, I, I could see him having some really, really good years and keep continuing to get his legs under him, I, I suppose. Um, what is Sasha Boivere's potential? Uh, maybe a solid third line guy, center who can play on your second unit power play as a shot option. Um, I really like Boivere. I want him to be a thing. He's a really good skater for his size, you know, gets up and down the ice really well, you know, moves the puck pretty well, shoots the puck really well. He's just, I've watched him a few times now over the course of the year. And I watched him next to guys like Michael Hage. And I just kind of went, mm, I, you know, the skating is better with Boivere and he gets up and down the ice better than a Hage, but there's, there just seems to be a lot more control uh, in, in Hage's game and a lot more pre-planning and, and he sees the ice a little bit better than Boisvert. So I bumped Boisvert down below Hage over the last couple of days. Um, but I could see him being, you know, especially with the size and the skating ability, um, could be one of those guys who plays in your bottom six or, or third line as a solid 200 foot center. Um, you know, I'd like to see more jam out of him to play that role because I don't, I don't really see him as a top six option, but if things break, right, I, I guess he could get there. Um, it's just the more I've watched him, the more I've kind of wanted more out of him. Um, but he hasn't been bad. I should say that as well. Um, a I think a balanced regional state or province tourney could be fun. Yeah, I agree. I think that would be a lot of fun. Um, sort of add more of a regional aspect to it. Um, it. It is like the World Junior A Championship is like that, where there's a Canada East and a Canada West. Um, I would really like to see that. Um, and I think you could also create a lot of interest in that, especially if you're, say, Western United States. Um, there probably wouldn't be a tremendous amount of talent on those teams, but there wouldn't be none. And I get the feeling that over time, there has been and will be more and more and more talent coming out of there. Uh, for sure. <laughs> I think this comes down to, it comes back to the Connor McDavid discussion, but uh, I'm assuming it means Connor McDavid is like Homer Simpson who got a crayon stuck in his brain and didn't realize it until he was in his thirties. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. It, 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 it has shades of that a little bit. I also am mentioning that because AJ and I were just talking about how excellent the Simpsons is yes, before the awesome. show started. Cause you, you've been watching old seasons. I, I think you said, yes, and they've been hilarious. I loved um, like Father Like Clown. That was a great one. Where Krusty's dad is a rabbi. Oh yeah, that's a good one. He is not my son. No yeah. son of mine. Um, and it's just yeah. the typical rabbi voice, and it's hilarious. And I, yep. the last episode I saw was where Bart pretends to be uh, some guy named Woodrow. And uh, he catfishes his teacher and sends a picture of Gordy Howe as, like, it, it, the image to her of who he is, which is pretty hilarious. Yeah, yeah I mean, they, they hold up 30 years later, and not, not much holds up for 30 years, but all of that stuff is classic and rewatchable. <laughs> Uh, AJ, this is an important question. Does Joshua Waugh make Team no, Canada? No, I'm not even going to let you no? finish. No. No? No. Maybe. No. He's no. the greatest player that ever lived, man. No, he's not. And I, 
I'm the worst. I am the worst, right? I'm the worst at this because I said he was not good. I thought he so was therefore... horrible in his draft year, and everybody I talked to about him said he was horrible. Yep. He's improved well, a lot. Okay. Uh, we'll give him well, credit. He's improved. He found he he found a niche that works for him. Yes, good. playing you know, next to Connor the, Bedard, yeah. just like pass Tanner Howe did. Pass the puck to somebody else, then get yourself to the offensive zone, find where nobody is, make a skill move to get around a guy, change your angle, and shoot. Right, like that's that's kind of how he's been, and it works. And, so good for he's him. Better, like he. He's better yes. than he was because I remember watching Josh Waugh games in 2021 and watching a guy that just got over the blue line, the offensive blue line, and hurled pucks on the net, yep. and somehow they'd go in. And everybody yep. was like, wow, he's scoring a ton of points. But I remember talking to the people at Dover at the time, and one member specifically said, so what does Josh Waugh do? I see that he <laughs> scores points, but he's awful. <laughs> Right, yeah. like it was a it was a sentiment across the entire community, like a lot of this community, that he was just not yeah. good, and he really wasn't. So good on him for for figuring it out and changing his game in a lot of ways. But like, you know, he's still he's still got a long ways to go before Team Canada. And I know that yeah, the like, question was a joke, but I yes, I, I, I wanted to give it <laughs> yeah. an actual answer. Yeah, it's it's funny. I mean, like, yeah, like, and David Phillips just commenting that Tarek Parasak is going to put up 100 points at the University of Michigan in six years. But, like, Tarek Parasak is another great example of a guy like Joshua Waugh, where it's like, I don't know, if you if you bring him along the right way and find him the right role and put him with good players, sure. But, yeah, like, I wouldn't, you know, Joshua Waugh, I remember when he was drafted and going, I'm not a huge fan of him, but in the fourth or fifth round or wherever he was drafted, it's like, sure. Like, I'm not going to complain if you really, really want him and think that he could be a complimentary guy. Sure. Um, but yeah. And like, I feel similarly about Tarek Parasak, but I also just watch him play. And I'm just like, I, I can't in good faith put you super high on my list. If at all, uh, just because I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I feel like, there are guys like that that you could pick up on waivers here and there or or sign relatively cheap um, that maybe even bring more to the table. But that's neither here nor there. We're not here to talk about Joshua Wah for six hours. Uh, oh, Felix Felix uh, says that Sam, is Samuel Montembeau Canada's second best goalie. Yeah, Montembeau came up to me uh, to make that roster. But, you know, I feel like we're just kind of trying to sift through mediocre goalies to try to find who the best mediocre ones are in the face of who other teams have, which is kind of funny. Um, but there's still good goalies on that team to be fair. Yes. Like I like Tristan Jari. I like Aiden Hill, but relative to like a Shostyorkin, Vasilevsky, you could, you could combine all three of their talents and you wouldn't be at Shostyorkin, Sorokin or Vasilevsky level. It's just, those guys are insanely elite. Yeah. Uh, apparently we forgot to put team, uh, we forgot to put, uh, Jesse Polkanen on, uh, on team Finland. It's so funny because we Jesse. talked about it as a joke. We did. <laughs> yeah, we did. Yeah. It would be, Hey, I, I think he's so strange and crazy that he's probably going to win a Norris trophy just because, you know, stop. I, I say, I say, I I'm like the Kings the and they stink. And if you continue <laughs> this talk, 
Just wait. Just watch. They'll slam him into the NHL next year. Like Anaheim will pick him or something and he'll score 50 points. Uh, it's like the... Okay, so this is about Connor McDavid and whatever, but it's like the contrast between white and Latino players in baseball. The white tradition is that you don't flip bats and a bunch of silly unwritten rules and you would to help out a struggling pitcher and it's less fun. Totally agreed. Uh, baseball is also kind of like hockey in that sense where there is a little bit of that unwritten rule the problem is in hockey everybody is white so all you get is the white traditions um and everybody hates it when you step outside the comfort zone which is crazy to me uh and then the follow-up comment also makes sense imagine muhammad ali acting like connor mcdavid and that's that's the point i was trying to make back then is is like imagine muhammad ali was humble he'd be so much he wouldn't be in the history books he wouldn't be rude for him to get knocked out (laughs) Yeah, you'd want him to lose because you're like, God, man, like, like, like think about Conor McGregor. I like, I never watched fighting at all, but like yeah. that guy had such an electric personality that captivated so many people because he just talked so much smack, and it well, was yeah, awesome. Like, and, and the good thing too, the thing that I don't understand about hockey as a business, like, drama is entertaining, like the UFC stuff. UFC became kind of what it is and boxing had its heyday when it did because there was drama. There were, there were people who spoke their mind. They be, they were themselves. They had fans, they had haters. Yeah. It was a war and like emotion sells things. Why emotion. You, yep. Sells. Why do you think WWE is still a thing? man? Yeah. It's bigger than it's probably bigger now than it ever has been really like, wrestling in general there's like four different wrestling federations now that are all and it's fake. doing their own thing it's not it's yeah. scripted it's all drama it's scripted. yeah it's a show and it, it sells better than hockey i think yeah which is crazy to me and hockey is a sport that arguably should have the most emotion in it like you're going for 30 kilometers an hour out there for an hour trying to pulverize people like to me it's like imagine football but everybody was so scared of passing it. All they did was run it. Right. It's like, you could do that. Sure. But like, it's pretty lame and people like when you pass it, but it's like, Oh, but we might throw an interception. It's like, okay, fine, I guess. But you know, where's Joe, who's Joe Namath? Who's Joe Montana? Who's Tom Brady? Right. Like who cares? Um, but anyway, I digress. Uh, also think about football players and just how much more insane their celebrations are. Yeah, like I, I grew the, up with the Matt Sundin smile and hug afterwards. That's 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 what that's that that's what was what I had. People jumped down Neil Yakupov's throat for sliding on his knees on the ice celebrating a goal. My like, grandfather hated ugh. Alex Ovechkin, not because of the way he plays, which is why I hate him, <laughs> but because <laughs> of his celebrations, which I think is just the worst reason to dislike someone. You're being happy too wrong. Right, yeah, like that's and that's geez. the best part of Alex Ovechkin yeah. is the celebrations. Why, yeah, why are we discouraging people from being happy? Like, why are we discouraging people from being themselves? Like, that's kind of the whole problem with. Anyway, I don't need to talk about that. Uh, what does Tia Check need to do to become an NHLer? Uh, grow, grow five inches. <laughs> yeah, grow five inches. Uh, and I'm saying that with my hockey man hat on, not with my Will Scouch hat on. 
Uh, do you think Charlie Strammel should enter the transfer portal or stay at Wisconsin? He seems to struggle with the new coach. Uh, I don't know. Um, maybe I, Wisconsin is strange. Um, I, uh, they are doing better this year than they were last year. Strammel is having a tough year though. Um, again, like with Strammel, he's a guy where the pace was never really there. Um, he was a guy who kind of seemed to me when he was younger, like a Slavkovsky light where, you know, he wasn't thinking as quickly as a Slavkovsky wasn't thinking at as high a rate, but he did those like little slip passes and got passes to guys, you know, quite well in small areas and all that stuff quite well. It's just a matter of, Oh, I, I where, and then what? And Strammel, like for me, I thought he kind of reminded me a little bit of like even a Jordan Greenway where my thinking with him would be at the world juniors last year, you kind of saw it, right? They played him on the wing. They got him, they got him, you know, deep in the offensive zone. He was playing hard, more of a power winger style play, you know, make the simple pass. But when you don't have the puck chase guys down and crush them. And I feel like that's generally where he finds the most success. And when I watched Wisconsin last year and a bit this year for him, I just don't really see a whole lot of that, which is so strange to me because that felt like something Wisconsin would want out of a player like Strammel. Um, but I'm not counting him out because I feel like that type, that type of playing style can work, you know, down the road. He might just take some time to get there, but it hasn't been particularly inspiring. And the draft pick of him at 21 already kind of isn't looking super great when guys like Gabe Perot went shortly after Gavin, Brindley, uh, Gavin Brindley, Quinton, Quinton Musty, Otto Stenberg, Easton Cowan is having a great year. Bradley Nadeau, Mikhail Gulyayev is having a great year in Russia. There were just, you know, and it, it, you know, with Strammel, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see where he ends up, but should he enter the transfer portal? I can't say, that's kind of up to him, but I wouldn't be surprised if he did because clearly something's not going right there. And, and, and I can see the style of player that he could be, but he just isn't, which is strange. Uh, did you get around to watching Alexander Plasovsky? Probably not. <laughs> so the answer is no. <laughs> Let me see. I need to double check. Uh, no, I have not, but I'll leave it open so that I do. Sorry, buddy. But you're in the Discord server, so I'll bring it up there. Um, the higher school, higher end schools can offer a little bit of money from boosters and that smaller schools, the smaller schools can't, I imagine big 10 and Boston will still be the big dogs. Yeah, no, I agree. Like the, the, the rich will stay rich in the NCAA with the CHL. They certainly will, but they're, that's the problem. They're, they're unhappy that that might be risked now, right? Like that there might be a, you know, Arizona state that can now go, well, yeah, you could go to Michigan person who plays in Peterborough, but you will play your top six minutes right away in Arizona state. And then you can play against Michigan at the NCAA playoffs and shock the world, right? Like there's a lot, there's going to be a lot more of that, I think. And the teams at the high end, you know, uh, Michigan, uh, Michigan state, you know, Boston college, Boston university, blah, blah, blah. They probably are looking at that going, well, we don't want, we don't want that. Cause we're the, we're the teams that everybody knows. And the more that everybody knows us, the better, the better, more money we make and the better off we're going to be. Um, but 
you know, I mean, when you have inequality in a system, those with the power generally don't like when you equalize things a little bit. Where have we heard this story before? Uh, <laughs> get out of here, Ray. What is Connor McDavid's potential? Go away. Uh, where are you currently at on Cole Baudouin? So, yeah, he's moved up my list all year. Uh, he is flirting with my first round. Uh, he is sitting at, I mean, I say that, but he's sitting at 43 on my board. But if you wanted to take him 29th, I would not complain. Um, he plays a style of play where I think that you could see an NHL player there, like a good third line guy, like kind of, you know, you and I talk about this guy a little bit, but Trent Frederick is the name that kind of comes to mind with Cole Baudouin, like a guy who might only score 30, 40 points a season, but play a style of play but yeah but you play a style of play where it's like he'll go over the boards he'll hit guys he'll he'll drop the gloves if he has to he'll mix it up he'll be a bit of a jerk he'll do a lot of things that you want to see out of a player uh, at the nhl level even if he's not the the greatest scorer in the league um and and a guy where a team might draft him and they ask him and he they go well we think he's going to be a great supplemental guy for us you know good competitor blah 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 and people on Twitter will go, blah, 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 like they should have drafted X, Y, Z. And then 10 years from now, you know, Colbo Dwan is mixing it up in the playoffs and being a really useful part of a team in the playoffs, like a guy like a uh, Trent Frederick or um, a-, a number of the Boston Bruins, I guess you could say, could be one of those guys. Uh, another reason for Ray to get out of here, but I think he's trolling, is that Simpsons is a bit I don't overrated. I think he's well, trolling, but yeah, he's just no, wrong. I think you're... You think you're incorrect, son. I go mean, watch he is of a different generation. Out. Yeah, go watch the stuff that came out like 20 years before you were born, dude. Also, as a grown adult, it's also way funnier too because there's a lot of jokes about daily life that kind of go over your head. Yes, but are also very funny. Um, and the other thing too about The Simpsons is the early episodes. A lot of it was very topical humor or very like early meme world kind of humor in the nineties. Like we didn't have memes, but we did have silly things that became news that kind of spread and the Simpsons would poke fun at it. Um, But that, but I imagine that in 2024, if you're 19 years old, you're not looking at that and getting a lot of the jokes because you weren't around in 1996, which I was. But even then, Um, there's still stuff that relates to today. Like one of the more recent episodes I watched was about sports gambling. And it's just Homer getting, even though it's illegal, he just has advertisements of, this is my pick for today, right? And then the whole premise is that Lisa just understands what team's going to win all the time. So they build a relationship off that. And he's got to choose yeah. between his daughter and gambling. Which is, yeah, like brilliant, it's right? Awesome. It's awesome. It, the, the Simpsons are a great example of how things may change, but the more they change, the more they stay the same. You know, like same, same, but different. It's just a constant cycle of, of all of that. And it's always a great watch to me. I actually just started a rewatch of Star Trek The Next Generation. So that's what I'm working through very slowly whilst I track games. Um, season one is real pile of garbage, but that's okay. We don't need to talk <laughs> about Star Trek. Uh, does Lane Hudson make Team USA? Well, put Lane Hudson on the team and remove one of these names. Quinn Hughes, Charlie McAvoy, no, Jake no. Sanderson, Adam Fox, no. Zach Warensky, no. Jacob Truba, no. Brock Faber. No. No. Maybe Jacob Truba because I don't really care for Jacob Truba, but like but, I wouldn't I wouldn't take him over a bunch of other guys that I could think of, right? Like I'm not putting him on that team. doesn't matter. 
does does not matter to me. Maybe um, maybe for twenty thirty. Yeah, twenty thirty, sure, maybe. Uh, I'm still searching for the Connor Doer of this NHL draft. <laughs> Why? Um, uh, well, David, I know really liked Connor Doer, and um, but for re-entries, if you're talking re-entries, um. I don't really have that many actually ranked ranked. Uh, Arvid Bergstrom might be one that I would look at. Jesse Polkinen, elite first round pick. Uh, David, I mean, I don't know if you've ever watched Gennady Chali, but he's been very good this year with Sioux Falls. Um, he might be worth a go. Uh, but also, yeah, I do. I should do another sweep of reentry guys. Anthony Romani is also a guy maybe that you could draft a little later on who's been kind of good. I don't know. Um... Canadian goalies creating a mediocre Megazord. I would love to see a mediocre Megazord in a Power Rangers thing, just for an episode. The Power Rangers become mediocre. The mediocre Rangers. Anyway, I guess that would be the New York Rangers, right, AJ? Mediocre Rangers instead of Power Rangers? Yes. Well, gotcha. The Rangers are mediocre. <laughs> at least in my estimation, man. Like, I just don't buy it at all. Right. Um, Red Wings versus Avs on ESPN in the mid nineties was must watch TV. I totally agree, man. That, that, that era was great. That was crazy. Like th that rivalry for that couple of years. And again, Patrick Waugh in the media being Patrick Waugh made it must watch. Uh, well, I think it was Chris Draper called Claude or no Dino Cicerelli calling Claude Lemieux a loser or something, or like a buff, 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 buffoon or something um, because he shook his hand in the lineup. Uh, you know, Claude Lemieux literally throwing guys into the boards face first, just so insane. It was insane off the, off the, off the rails stuff. Um, and yeah, that is kind of the emotion that is lacking a little bit these days, but who knows? Maybe this year, uh, Maybe this year it's going to be different. Current non-first round prospects who are more likely to bloom into stars, top line guys. I, again, well, this year. Co oh, wait, for this year? No, this year. Like. Well, because you say first round prospects and. Non-first round prospects. It's like. It's still yet to be determined who ends up not in the first round when they get drafted. Right. And there are only 96 players in the entire National Hockey League who are quote unquote top line guys. I would, I would argue there's maybe 70 guys that move the needle so much that you could reliably place them on the first line on any team. Right. Like, I just think that that's such an absurd bar, nothing against the commenter, but like, I think that's just such an absurd bar to search for. Right. Like if anything, if you're outside the first round, you shouldn't be looking for guys you think are going to be stars but guys you think can play for you and play the way you're looking for them to play and just encouraging them as much as you can. And then seeing where they're at in seven years, right? Like, like if we're talking about specific players that you could snag outside the first round, that might be worth like John mustard. I don't know if he'll be a star. You know, if I thought he was going to be a star, I'd rank him, you know, top five, but do I think he could be a good sort of third line, maybe second line forward center or winger? Sure. Absolutely. I think he could do it. Um, you might need to wait. You might need to be patient, but yeah, Teddy Stiga, another one. Am, am I, do I think he's going to be a first line winger? No. Uh, do I think he could be a middle six energy guy, like a, 
like a discount Gavin Brindley? Yes, sure, absolutely. Um, there's there's a lot of that kind of stuff of guys that I think are a little bit underrated. Tobias Heenan, uh, Dominic Badinka being ranked 12th in Europe. I think Badinka could turn into a pretty good player, but like a top pair defenseman? No, I, I just I just think that there are maybe... I'd say six or seven guys this year that I could see if everything goes right, they are first line, first pair guys, but a lot of them have a long way to go or uncertainty or they're Ivan Demidov. And you just don't <laughs> know. You just don't know. Uh, some fans have compared Parekh to a guy like Catton. What is that supposed to mean? I really have no idea what that means because Zane Parrick and Berkeley Catton are extraordinarily different hockey players. Um, and I, I don't know. I wouldn't, I would not compare the, I don't really know what to say about that. I, I, yeah, I've seen both I of think, them too. It yeah. Makes no sense. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what the, the, what the premise of the question is. Uh, Weird last PG name Gimler or thoughts. off the beat ma last names. Maybe that's who you, that's the only comparison, yeah, but like, maybe like they're cool last names. I'll give them that. Yep. Yep. TJ Ginla thoughts. Uh, Hardworking guy. Again, he has that give a crap meter. Um, you can see a player who, again, has a lot of pace in his game. He moves the puck well. He moves his feet quickly. He gets up the ice quickly. Um, you know, he 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 doesn't really hold onto the puck too long. I he's young for the draft as well. Uh, I I think he could be you know a really solid sort of you know again another one of these sort of third line high energy guys. Um, you know, he he clearly is a competitor. Uh, which that which is important. It's really important, um, and does a lot of things quite well. Um, really good shooter. He's a guy, though. The last few games I've seen him, I've kind of wanted a little bit more out of him in terms of really controlling possession and driving play himself. But you know, he's a very smart player, uh, a really really good complementary energy player, and I think that putting him with a, a really talented center um, could could allow him to sort of be what he is at all times. <clears throat> have you seen any of Moldenauer at Michigan? Uh, no, I have not. Uh, not yet. Um, which pick in the top 10 in recent memory was the most of a reach? Uh, it was Boucher, yeah. In recent memory? No, Boucher, I had Boucher ranked really high. Um, he was he was on average ranked in the top 10. Wait, but Tyler? Oh, Tyler Boucher. I thought yeah. you were talking about Evan. Evan Bouchard for some reason. No, yeah, no. Tyler Boucher would be there. Uh, I was really surprised Nate Danielson went top 10 last year. Um, Marco Casper top 10 also was very surprising, but not as surprising as Tyler Boucher. And it's because it was uh, Detroit that it wasn't that. Right. Surprising. But yeah, Tyler Boucher for sure takes the cake on that one for recent memory. The <laughs> rest all kind of makes sense. Wow. Uh, I'm going to respond to something that I just saw pop up about mm -hmm. somebody loving me talking more. That has never been said to me in my life. Everybody is, wants me that, to shut yeah. up. Even me. <laughs> <laughs> but I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Moritz Sider also was a very, very surprising pick at the time. I remember that very clearly. Um, pretty surprising stuff, but that one Detroit nailed. Pretty much. Um, how would you rank Wright, Kulik, and Stankoven? Who would you take first? Who does an NHL GM take first? Ooh. Uh, I probably, probably stank, yeah. yeah, honestly, now thinking about it, Stankoven, um, 
but Wright is right there with him. Just doesn't have the the intensity that a guy like Stankoven has, um, which is kind of Wright's weakness. But yeah, I, I like all three. I, I like yeah, all three right, a lot. Today, today, Stankoven, a GM in the NHL probably takes Wright because he is pretty smart, even though he isn't the quickest guy. He's got a lethal shot. I imagine Shane Wright goes first, but for me, I probably would lean Stankoven just because I love that little guy. And I love Yuri Kulik too. They're all really good players, man. Well, yes. Yeah. I actually have both Stankoven and Wright on uh, my team of guys. So right. I'm feeling decent about that. Would have liked to have yeah. had Logan Cooley. I was really hoping that he'd fall there. I'm like, well, I guess I have Shane Wright, the guy I had ranked first. But there was still even this part of me that just wanted Logan Cooley so I could take the plunge. Yep. And what a plunge it has been. Um, I was actually watching him the other night. He's been very, very good recently. He's awesome. That, yeah, draft, he's is, that draft has been pretty good. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the best 2024 draft player in the BCHL. Oh, geez. I don't think there are any. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Idar really was in any. 2023. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I loved Idar Suniev. Um, Lord God King Idar Suniev. All hail. <laughs> yeah. Supreme Sandworm. Idar Suniev. Uh, I got to get in my Dune mode because the sequel's coming soon. Um, yeah, no. I mean, JJ Montero has been okay. I, in the past, have liked Kazumo Sasaki, but I'm not, I don't think there's any of these guys I'm really jumping at the chance to draft. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't have anybody from the BCHL really on my, uh, on my radar. Ooh, this is an interesting uh, question. Yes. It's the next one that you're going to read it because I'm too lazy. Oh, Salayev and Yakumchuk at uh, two and three per Corey Pronman. Do you think guys make spicy rankings because drama equals money? No. I think no, because what, think about what you're doing, right? Nobody, ca being a person who runs a YouTube channel where a lot of the work is based around prospects and hockey, nobody cares. Like, nobody cares about draft rankings, really. If you take a hundred people in the world, or even in the world of hockey, of them, in the world of hockey, about three of them might care. But in the whole, in Canada and the US combined, take a hundred people, half of one person probably cares about this kind of content. Um, so I think if you're talking about getting extra clicks, uh, you're probably arguing over pennies versus nickels. But to me, like with Corey Pronman, I think Pronman and a few other people out there base a lot of their work based on what they hear from NHL teams directly. Um, I know I've met Corey in the past. I have, you know, he's been at tournaments. I know he goes to these things, but I mean, I get the feeling that a lot of what he puts out there is what is a sentiment amongst people in in hockey more bob I mckenzie esque mean, but yeah or bob exactly. mckenzie esque you know like i look at yakimchuk and also the other thing too i do think that there are a lot of people out there where recency bias is rules over everything uh because i believe that that list came out right after the top prospects game and carter yakimchuk had like three or four plays where he did the yakimchuk thing He's standing still at the blue line. Someone comes at him and he deeks around him and then someone else comes at him and then he deeks around him too, going six kilometers per day. And 
and get and then puts the puck on net in a way that looks really good in an internet gif. Um, not saying again, like I like Carter Yakimchuk, but putting him at three, I think, is a little bit insane. And I feel like that is I saw him at the top prospects game, and he was really, really good at these moments that I saw. Therefore, blah. You know, um, and there's a lot of other people where you can see, like, well, this player was at this tournament that this person was at, therefore, blah. Um, which to me, um, I don't know. I This is why I kind of like how I do things, very agile. I can watch a bunch of guys in an hour and a half and get data on a bunch of guys and look at a very specific range of the draft in terms of my list and evaluate within that and 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 see where it goes because then I go and watch something like the top prospects game. And it's like, well, I've seen Yakimchuk do that stuff before, but I've also seen him play 80 even strength minutes elsewhere. And XYZ ABC is not on the same level. It sounds like you were about to say something. No, I was laughing at something. Oh, okay. That Brodman is a height supremacist. Yes. (laughs) Oh, boy. Uh, which draft eligible has changed your opinion of that on them the most since last year? That's an interesting one. Uh, there's been quite a few. Um, most of them negatively, I think. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know about that. Well, I know, I know you were super excited to watch Sam Dickinson going into the year. Yes, and, and he has been meh. Yeah, Cole Eiserman too. I think has been a lot less than what I expected. But in general, I generally like to answer these things from the positive. Dominic Badinka is a really good example. Um, I remember I've seen, I've been watching D- Badinka since he was with Jokerit in Finland. And I thought he looked really interesting there. I think he's been through a growth spurt because he didn't look this big uh, when he was in Finland. But since he's played with Malmo in the men's level, like I was talking about this on Locked on Sharks last night or two nights ago about Sam Dickinson because Sam Dickinson, uh, I look at him, I actually, the day of that podcast, I looked at Dickinson, did another game of his, and then I did a game of Dominic Badinka. And I don't have this in my list yet, but when I watched those two guys back to back, one of whom was playing at a significantly higher level uh, at the SHL level, I thought Badinka looked like a much more dependable defensive player in a lot of situations with a lot more intensity and that give a crap level than I saw out of Dickinson. And I thought he was moving the puck extremely well for uh, a big rangy sort of defensive leaning defenseman. And I was a lot more excited watching a guy like Badinka in a men's league than I was watching Dickinson in the junior leagues. So you know, I, and again, like Batinka's produced a lot at the under 20 level this year. I feel like at the OHL level, he would be producing quite a lot as well. Um, but in the SHL, he's being tested and in pockets, it's not great, but I've been really, really impressed with him. And I didn't think I'd like him as much, uh, since the first time I saw him this year. Um, but other than that, I mean, Thomas Galvis is a guy who I watched a bit of last year and wasn't super high on, but he's been really good. I saw another game of him yesterday. He was excellent. Um, well, very good in a lot of spaces and not so good in others, which is pretty typical of him. Um, but yeah, those are, those are some examples I would say. Uh, <laughs> Berkeley Catton is what we thought Braden Yeager would be in his draft year when you watch Braden Yeager two years ago. I mean, yeah, I guess suppose so. Sure. Um, 
Star Trek The Next Generation isn't realistic. We all know every guy would just lock themselves into the holodeck all day. That is a good point. Uh, that is a very good point. Sometimes I've watched those holodeck episodes and I'm like, man, this is not how people would use it if it were real. Um, nobody would go to a Bourbon Street jazz bar with six people in it to play the trombone. Nobody would do that. Um, they would do other things. Uh, oh, so the person who added more context that Parekh might have more potential or is the player to pick ahead of Katten in the draft? Uh, disagree. Again, that's, I yeah, think disagree. That's, I think that's about where, it. Where we I land. disagree. Like I, I could, I could send a million things uh, of, of what I've seen out of Parekh to this point this year, where it's a defender who does not defend. And that scares me. With Catton, he might not be super physical, but holy smokes, uh, I I think that there's so, so much there that can overcome whatever shortcomings he has. Uh, Kari, I can check the next Brent Burns. I mean, I've heard that before, and Brent Burns also comes with his own risks and benefits, and he was a second-round pick, and he wasn't even a defenseman when he was drafted. But yeah, I mean, I could see where that's coming from, um, and Brent Burns has been a very good player but he also has his warts and has had them his whole career. Uh, and is that the type of defenseman you want to hand 20 minutes to? Maybe, but you're going to have to work around it. Again, with Yakumchuk, I just, I see a guy who is at a defenseman who is at his best when the puck is on his stick in the offensive zone and elsewhere is a big work in progress. Like to me, that is problematic. So yeah, that's, that's kind of where I stand on, on Yakumchuk. How much do you think Toronto would reasonably pay to get out of the Reeves contract? Asking as a Sharks fan looking for prospects. They're not, future. they're not going to pay to they're get out gonna, of that. Yeah, because no, they're not going to, it's only, it's dirt cheap. Like, like you could bury him in the AHL and only be paying 350 K. Like that's how much it would cost, which is not even a, like, that's not even league men. You're just, right. you're just 350 K out instead of, like instead of draft picks out, right? Like there's no, yeah. there's no real reason to do it. So I don't, I don't think it'll happen, especially the way that Toronto operates from like a cap perspective. This is something that I think I'm pretty familiar with. They just find ways to make things work because Brendan Pridham is a genius when it comes to finding cap, like cap space and creating it. Like they're just mm -hmm. really good at that. And three hundred and fifty thousand dollars, like after as like an added hit, if you were to bury Ryan Reeves in the minors, is really nothing. So unfortunately, you're yeah. gonna have to look to take somebody else off of our hands, like a David Camp, <laughs> who they like. So they're not even right. gonna give that up. Yeah, I don't think Toronto's in a, in the mood to do something like that. Um, also, yeah, someone corrected me that Brent Burns was a twentieth overall pick. I mixed him up with Shea Weber. I thought Shea Weber uh, went in the first round. Uh, Brent Burns did go twentieth overall. So my boo-boo on that, uh, my encyclopedic knowledge of the NHL draft failed me. Uh, what else is going on here? Oh, how to compare point totals between different junior leagues. You you can't. Just don't even like, do it. You do, Yeah, like Just you can't. Just watch players and figure out based on how they play, whether or not you like them or not. Because like, points, yeah. as you've said before, they're a reward for doing good things. Right? And what that means in different leagues is very different in the yeah. Liga. If you throw a puck on the net, there's a, there's a potential that it's going to go in 
from at, from across like when you're shooting at yeah. the blue line. I've seen it. Yeah. I've seen that happen yep. at the QMJHL, right? Like, you know, and not every point is equal. <laughs> yeah. Even though they are, they are from a new like from a value perspective, it's just they're not created right. equal. Yeah, and and there's lots of plays that don't end in points that are also great. But like the thing I would say about this is like go whenever you see like player cards get posted, like say Byron Bader's work, like or look at the comparison. Yeah, like look at the comparisons that are listed there. And they're all over the place, right? Like those players there are nothing like the players that are being talked about. They're from all kinds of different leagues and all kinds of different results. And they're it's just it's all just very mushy and very uh how do I explain this? Like, it is just very, very, very unclear just from looking at points. Like, it is a dangerous game. I think if you look at points only, you could probably do better than an NHL team in some pockets in terms of drafting, but there, you could still do better than that, in my opinion, if you if you really sort of think outside the box. Um, but anyway, uh, I just don't think it's possible to really look at points as an evaluatory thing very often. Uh, whether they would do it or not, what do you think the Oilers would have to add to Jack Campbell to get someone to take him? Oh my goodness. Um, a lot. I mean, I'm thinking like the Patrick Marlowe kind of deal where the Leafs gave up a first round, like a mid first round pick. But Patrick Marlowe, Patrick Marlowe make even as much as Jack Campbell. He made more. It was like six and a quarter or something, but Jack Campbell had a lot more term, uh, on there. He um, still has a lot Carolina. more term, right? That's what I mean. Like Campbell has a lot of term as opposed to Marlowe, who I think only had one more year left. There's Carolina three more ended up years left, anyway. I think, on Jack Campbell. Yeah. I think, I think that's so going gonna... to be a buyout, but you'd have to probably give up two first-round picks to get out of that. Yeah, like at least a first-round pick and more uh, for that, because that is a bad deal so far. You don't, Like, it's so expensive, you may as well just hope he figures it out. Uh, or buy Super him Bowl out, picks. it's not even that bad. Yeah, or buy, buy or buy it out, yeah. Uh, Super Bowl picks, who do you have? Uh, well, it's Chiefs and 49ers, right? Yes. Um... I don't know. I don't really know much about football, and the team that I say is going to lose. Um, Come on, I take know. your pick, Will. Let's go Chiefs. We'll go Chiefs. That's Let's what I'm Chiefs. thinking. Yeah, I, I just, I just don't bet against Pat Mahomes. That's kind of yes. the way I go. Yeah, exactly. I just, you know, it'd be Mahomes nice. versus Brock Purdy. It'd, it'd be know? nice for the 49ers to win. Like, I don't care who wins. I want I want a good game. That's yeah, all I, I don't want. care. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I'm going to watch it and hopefully enjoy it. And yeah. at the end of the day, I just want a, a good football game. But I'm yep. not going to bet against Pat Mahomes. Nope. Not once. Because I took the, not that I gamble, because I don't, but I said to my brother, I think the Chiefs are going to beat the Ravens and everybody is going to be very upset. And I was right. You're damn right. And so. people are going to find a way to be upset about this weekend, too, for sure. They already are. It's scripted, um, guys. Yeah, it's it's scripted. And blah, 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 blah. Oh, God. I can't stand it. But anyway, uh, that's going to be it for the show today. We're already a little over time. But uh, anyway, thank you, everybody, for joining us. This was a, a lot of fun going over some of the international fun stuff coming up. Um, again, just before we go, uh, we are brought to you by Fanatics. You can use our affiliate link below. Scan the QR code to provide a small kickback to the show. Uh, we're also brought to you by Puck Preps, where you can get all your NCAA and CHL prospect needs. 
from age groups from 2006 all the way down to 2009. Uh, you can also help us out at Fractal Hockey Consulting, which is my business for hand track targeted player analysis and recruitment packages at fractalhockey.com. And of course, scouting.ca, where you can get exclusive access to data tools and a ton of insights into draft prospects and players making their mark in the NHL, as well as an access to a really fun Discord server where we watch hockey together and do all kinds of fun stuff. So uh, that'll be it. Thank you very much, folks. Uh, this was a lot of fun, and uh, we'll see you on Monday night. Um, so once once again, toodles. <laughs>